If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Not content with one. How about two? Pinche Loco. And now, yeah, Page out of LP. Fuck that. We got it. How could he, Kevin? El Desperado has done it. Seven years, almost to the day, since the first time he challenged for that championship. And six and a half years since he joined Suzuki Good to tap into who that man really is, with or without the mask. That is El Desperado, the top of this division, mid-level junior. Screw that. That man is the best junior heavyweight wrestler in the world. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your hosts Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Dolman here with the young boy Josh Smith and Chris Sampson from SportOfProWrestling.com. On today's show, we'll be discussing New Beginning in USA Night 2, both nights of Castle Attack, previewing the 49th anniversary show and the New Japan Cup, answering your questions, and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or to keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prosentees.com slash social suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping a Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. Visit NJPWEXT.US today for details. It really does. Danny, you're the man. Yeah, shout out to our man Danny and the extension. And like I heard in the intro, we got Chris Samsa on the show once again. Chris, how you doing, man? 
I'm awesome. Happy to be with you guys. The main event of my podcast, Car Wash, this week, <laughs> uh, leading up to the New Japan Cups. As always, cleared the whole schedule. Got all night. No day job tomorrow. We can just keep going. Nice. Well, this is the first time we've timed out an episode, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you as you heard in the intro, we got lots of stuff to cover this week. A lot of big topics, a lot of reviews, previews, a lot of dissect here. Uh, but real quick, I wanted to start off from an interesting question over for our friends at the Super J Cast. Oh, you're giving those guys top billing? You know, I, I am. You know, a lot of people, they, they, they want a, a podcast war. They, they think there's heat. But I, I want to show that there is no heat. I want to, you know, open up, give them top billing here on the show. Um, it's not top billing, though. It's curtain jerking if it's first. Well, it's it's fresh. It's the first thing out, you know. <laughs> that, that first match is very important. It sets the pace and tone for the whole show. Yeah, I like this question. Let's uh, get into it. Uh, so they asked us, what would it take uh, for any of you to reach the fuck this I'm out point of your NJPW fandom and or podcasting? Have you been feeling the grind more as of late? So, Chris, we'll throw you first. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I. I, I understand this question and I understand the grind. So, and I, I was talking about it um, on with somebody yesterday. I think it was with, um, with Garrett Gonzalez or, or Sean Radican, but we were talking about how to go straight from wrestle kingdom into like a bunch of road to new beginning shows and then new beginning without the gap of fantastic mania is I think, I think actually causing some of this like new Japan fan burnout, right? I think Fantastic Mania has, yeah, I'm recognizing its purpose for the fan base now because it actually creates this reason to kind of check out potentially or, or keep checked in in a different way with a whole different style of tour, Um, a little bit of variety. Maybe you see some of the guys you're used to and a bunch of luchadors and, and all that. So, and I think that that actually plays a, cool role in keeping the product feeling fresh and then instead we went straight from wrestle kingdom right into new beginning a ton of new beginning shows and if you're trying to watch everything it was a ton of really similar shows and then really peaks and valleys of some of these big shows too right some of them are clearly loaded up and some of them were a little lighter so um you know in in a sense of in in ring output i think we're getting the same amount of high-end positive stuff happening but because of the the volume of output that they're also doing you're also getting some stuff that's not noteworthy at all um in regards to like what it would take for me to check out completely my role in the fandom i guess or in the community is largely based on history and yeah tying stuff together right so like you can't change that and that stuff's all really good um it's it is the the best pro wrestling that's existed for almost 50 years right like Mm -hmm. on a whole if you look at it like it's been the steadiest um and i choose not to get involved in in rumors or backstage or who's where uh until something actually happens so um and in that point maybe there is a point and i'll recognize it when i get there but um i don't i don't know most of what i do is look back 
Um, and I don't, I don't particularly look a ton at rumors or news sites or, or get involved in the politics of it also. And, and I get it that people do. It's the pro wrestling industry, but I'm lucky enough that I've uh, created a space for myself where I don't have to do it and can still be involved. Listen to this company man answer. <laughs> no, that's a great answer. Um, my, my feeling here is, you know, with fandom and podcasting, those are almost, uh, they go hand in hand, but they're not mutually exclusive. Um, but they could be, you know, our role as being podcasters, it necessitates us to follow and keep up with the product on a level that most quote unquote fans don't necessarily have to. Um, and so, you know, a lot of you listening kind of get the luxury of maybe tuning into this show or some other, you know, media site and being able to gather your resources and then tune in for, you know, pick and choose what you'd like to watch. We, we don't really have that, that luxury. So I could imagine with the, the grind aspect of it. Yeah. They're, they're turning out a lot of shows. Yeah. They've got low attendance because of, you know, the, the state of emergency and, you know, creatively, I, I do wonder if Gato is, you know, at the tail end of his creative genius, just because historically speaking, that happens to every great booker. And I can't think of another one that's had the kind of run in history that Gato has had consistently. So, you know, things are changing. That being said, if, if, if I was able to just pick and choose, I'd probably feel, you know, less exhausted with the product. That being said, you know, for two or three weeks, you feel that way. And then all of a sudden you get a string of great cards like we just had here. And we're going into another string of probably likely great matches with this really exciting tournament and everything turn, you know, changes very quickly. Yeah. Um, as far as what it would take, um, and me and Jeremy talked about this off air. There's two things that really drive me to this product. One is the fantastic booking. And then one is the fantastic in-ring product. And, you know, those, those two things usually do work hand in hand and they elevate one another, but you could, you, there have been products where they have really great matches and nonsensical, you know, non-logical booking. And then there've been times where there's companies that have really fantastic booking, real great character story work, but the, you know, the in-ring work doesn't hold up for me. I lean more towards the in-ring work. If this company ever got to a point where the booking started becoming nonsensical and really fell off the deep end for a period of time. We've seen it in New Japan in the past. It's not like it's never happened. I'd still be around as long as I could get bangers like Ishii, Goto matches, Suzuki matches, you know, these young lion matches that we're getting. That stuff's still going to draw me here. And if I'm able to combine that with burying the product if it got really bad and lighting it on fire, that's just going to draw a whole different <laughs> sect of audience to our show. And that would be a whole different thing altogether. We saw a little bit of that with evil last year. Yeah. Now, if the product got to a point where we weren't getting matches like the Naito Bushi match, we just got, we weren't getting mocks and Kenton and Shingo Tanahashi, Shingo and Tanahashi. And, the, and these guys just couldn't go. I don't care how good the product is booked. That might really create a deficit for me, you know, uh, just creatively, to still cover it. I might, st I'll always be a fan of new Japan. I have for almost my entire life. So that's not going to change. But as far as podcasting, as long as we're, as long as they're turning out the bangers, I'm going to still show up. Yeah. My answer, very similar to you guys. And um, very similar to Josh. Like we mentioned, we talked about this uh, before recorded, but you know, essentially it, it would have to become WWE to me to kind of be, I'm out. You know, I, I watched WWE from the time I was three, like hardcore up until, you know, 2017, where they really just kind of fell off a cliff hard, and you know, a lot of the stuff they were doing with Roman and, and Brock and J 
gender as a champion, stuff like that. <laughs> and like, that's to the point where like the booking wasn't making sense. The matches weren't good. Like nothing mattered. It was hard to invest. So if it gets to a point like that, like even like the evil thing, I didn't agree with. Um, obviously, everybody knows that we weren't big fans of that, but there are still great matches. Overall, there was still great booking all throughout the company. And so it would have to take it to that point where literally nothing matters, nothing makes sense. Um, it's hard to invest. There's no more great matches, like you mentioned, Josh. Like if we're not getting these these bangers and these awesome classic main events, then yeah, it, it would take a lot for me. It would definitely be a grind in that case to try and review stuff that wasn't great. Um, but yeah, I haven't been feeling the grind though, as far as just with the amount of shows that they are just churning out and. We're going to talk about the New Japan Cup schedule here in a second <laughs> and just how many shows are just dumping out there. And so, yeah, as a, you know, podcaster, content creator, it is a little overwhelming when you're trying to balance this and, and your real job and responsibilities elsewhere and relationships. And so I definitely get if the JCAS guys are, are feeling that grind. because I do, I do feel the grind, but, you know, I do I do love New Japan. They've been giving us some great matches so far this year. Joel Damon, don't give up. <laughs> we need you in this space. Uh, let's. That's a great question. Let's um, uh, talk real briefly. Wrestler of the month, match of the month. So uh, we're here in the early part of, of March. February's just ended, and we are proud to announce for the first time ever the wrestler of the month, El Desperado. Yeah, double junior champ right now. One half of the junior heavyweight tag champs and the. New junior tag champ or new junior singles champ, and we're going to talk about his uh, castle attack wins in a second here. But yeah, I wanted to give props to Desperado just for having a great month and ending the month as double champ. A lot of people said that we were haters because we didn't award him as MVP of the best of the super juniors, we didn't give him uh, wrestler of the month either of those two months when we awarded to uh, to Hiromu. But uh, in this month, man, I mean. He was the, he was the guy. I mean, he won you know the long held title that they've held before. First time he's ever you know won the junior title. Now he's challenging for the big belt. So yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yep. And then for our match of the month, we have the main event of night two of Castle Attack for the IC title, which ends up being the last IC title defense as Kota Ibushi faced off against his old rival Tetsuya Naito in an absolute banger. On that main event of Castle Attack Night Two. Well, I don't think it is. I think they're still doing a double title defense at the for Gatsby. Okay. Yeah. Yes, they announced it as the opposite. They announced it as not a title defense, and then they they posted on social media. They're like, ah, the titles are on the line. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but and then before that, they were like, but Abushi's the first ever world <laughs> champion. Yeah. But yes, they've we- already awarded him that. But he's also got to defend this other belt and these other two belts that they're gonna take away. I hope I hope Despy wins and gets <laughs> the two belts, and then they give the new belt to Abushi. And, and every, everyone's complaining about how they need to consolidate belts. They just add a belt. <laughs> Despy's like, no, 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 I'm keeping them. We're gonna keep going. Uh, before we move on, um, Chris, how do you think we did these picks? You, you got a different opinion, or no? I I. I mean, I have a, a soft spot for Kota Ibushi versus Tetsuya Naito, so um, that's that was going to be my match of the month if it wasn't good, and it was good, so no issue there. I think there were other really good matches, especially this past weekend too. Yeah, um, like there there was some there, were, and we'll we'll talk a lot more about those cards. And then, I mean, Desperado showed up when when New Japan really needed him. Yep. To be honest, so. 
I think that's honorable, both in the in the junior tag match as well as showing up in that in that three way in a way that uh, made it really compelling um, when they had had to pivot um, in a semi main event in a in a on a big show. So he he showed up, and I think he's. You know, he's got this growing fan base, uh, specifically with like English speaking fans, um, that he's kind of this almost underdog style, um, beloved junior. So it'll be interesting to see if New Japan leverages that as the year continues on. Yeah, low-key, this guy did show up in big spots all last year, too. So, uh, yeah. Sonata, pay attention. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going to move on to New Japan Strong. We had New Beginning in USA Night 2 this past. Wait. We got to plug the contest. Oh, yeah. We got to get that in early, right? Yeah, let's get that in I'm here early. For the, I'm here for the hard sell. <laughs> we got to get that in before we, we dive into literally everything else. Uh, all right, Chris, get your shit in. <laughs> it's not mine. No, it's not my contest. It's, it's ours. I'm just hosting it. Yeah, so, yeah, shout out to Chris. Some of you guys have seen on Twitter. Uh, we're hosting our contest on Chris's website, sportofprowrestling.com. You can go to sportofprowrestling.com slash kiss. That's sportofprowrestling.com slash K-I-S-S to enter in the fourth annual Keeping It Strong Style New Japan Cup Pick'em. Three great prizes. Third place, you get the King of Strong Style autobiography, Shinsuke Nakamura. Second place, you get Lion's Pride, the uh, turbulent history of New Japan Pro Wrestling by Chris Charlton, who we've had on the show before. The grand prize is a $50 gift card to Pro Wrestling Tees. You can grab a Keeping a Strong Style shirt, grab some New Japan merch, you know, increase that merch. So ProWrestlingTees.com, uh, that's the gift card you're going to get. You go to SportProWrestling.com slash kiss to enter in that contest. So no more email me brackets and me counting by hand. Chris is is a godsend. It's it's all I'm a savior to the community. Yeah, it's all automated. You go to the site, you type in your nickname, you type in your email. Very easy, nice little pop up. It got it got our red and black colors. You make your picks, and boom, it's all there for you. And this is nice. just the start. This is gonna be the DraftKings of pro wrestling. <laughs> Just Listen, beginning. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to make a mountain out of a molehill here. Um, Listen, yeah, it, and while while you're there, jump on over and fill out another bracket for the Sport of Pro Wrestling contest. I've got brackets from uh, Rocky Romero, Kevin Kelly, some other of the New Japan um, you know media members coming coming in as we as we go here. So hit them up, um, tell them to enter very our, fun. our contest. There's links for everything, pal. Yeah, it's up to them. It's up to them. There's a ton of bracket contests on sportofprowrestling.com, including Chris's big bracket challenge that he's doing as well. Ton of great prizes. You know, Chris is giving away a $100 token shop uh, spending spree. So a lot and, of great stuff. Yeah. And listen, guys, I had someone hit me up recently, and they're like, oh, I submitted my thing, but I wanted to make some changes. I got some different ideas. Can I do two? Can I make changes? And, and no, you can't. But here's what you could do. If you if you wanted to be you know smart about it, you could do an alternate bracket for an alternate contest and increase your chances of winning across the board. Or if you really believe in yourself, enter the same bracket across the board. And if you're the best, you're gonna you're gonna get all you're the gonna clean up. You're gonna clean up, man. So see, yep, I'm I'm a big fan of the different brackets for different contests. So you at least have probably something to pay attention to as you as you go all the way through. But oof. listen, if if you're confident. Get into it. Yeah, that's it, the, it, 
Fun time. I like to live boldly, gentlemen. <laughs> That's what I did. I, I entered uh, one bracket into the Keeping It Strong Style contest, and I entered a different bracket in for your uh, bracket challenge, Chris. And so nice. I know there's some few more. I'll probably maybe change up some stuff on some brackets. So there's multiple options for me to potentially get a prize here. So let's there you run, go. Let's run through strong. Um, this past Friday night, new beginning in USA, night two, we started the night off with ACH, Brody King, the Regal Twins, Defeating the the team of Clark Connors, Kevin Knight, the DKC, and TJP. Eight minutes and 36 seconds. Um, after that, we had singles action as Ren Narita upset and surprised everybody by defeating Chris Dickinson. Seven minutes, 51 seconds. Uh, real briefly, I love this match. It was awesome to see a never-style match <laughs> yeah. in the USA. Dude, our man, Ren Narita, we've been behind him since day, day one. one. Since uh, we started this podcast. Yeah, Young Lions Cup, uh, him and Yagi having those Bro, bangers. Him and Yagi is my <laughs> yeah. favorite Young Lion match ever. And our man here tapping out Chris Dickinson. This was an awesome little match. I had a blast with this man. I was super surprised by how violent the match was, yeah. I guess. I mean, like, really. Um, and... It, I don't know. Part of that's because you like the wrestling on strong is really good. Always like it, it has been since the beginning. I mean, like these guys show up and they wrestle matches and it's really good, but it's not always like aggressive. Yeah. Um, so and this was this match felt aggressive. And like by the end of it, it, it made sense. The finish ended up making a lot of sense. Um, Dickinson looked great. Working with Narita, Narita looked great, um, you know, and and you guys, I'm sure at least one of you guys saw the backstage with yes, Narita and, and Shibata. <laughs> yeah. Like, I hope that that's a thread throughout Narita's whole career. Like, I hope he's becoming, um, you know, that guy, right? That that really like Shibata understudy guy, and I think that'd be a cool role for him. He was yeah. like, "You think that's a chop? <laughs> this is a chop. This is a chop." <laughs> Listen, it, it, that's not what it's like in the side dojo. <laughs> <laughs> Matt was Matt would be like, yeah, that was great. Uh, you might want to try opening it up a little bit more. Just just follow through. Let's try it again. Oh, that was really really good. Okay, let's move on. Like nothing like that. I swear, <laughs> I don't think I can make it in the uh, LA dojo, man. Yeah, dude, they were slapping the crap out of each other. Very hard hitting. I popped when Narita hit that Narita leg lace. Got the Narita, Narita special on and submitted Dickinson. So two big wins here for Narita. He defeated uh, Bateman a few weeks ago. Now he's defeating Dickinson, so big things on horizon for our man, Ren Narita. One funny thing about the aggressiveness of this match, you know, one one reason I think we are seeing less aggression on some of these undercards because you got a lot of guys that are not fetishizing Japanese wrestling, you know. <laughs> They're doing that soft indie style. But we all know my man, Chris Dickinson, he fetishizes Japanese wrestling. He don't give a fuck. He's about that life. He's about it. Um, and then let's talk about the big match, the, the match the, probably the most viewed. Literally, when I tuned in to watch this, for the first time, I think ever, my New Japan world was dropping and lagging, and it wasn't keeping up with the time. I had to like restart like five or six times. That's never happened. Not during a Wrestle Kingdom, not during a Dominion or a G1 final. So there had to be a lot of people tuning in for this because my shit was fucking up, and that never happens. Yeah, man. The big main event here for the IWGP US Heavyweight title, the champion, John Moxley. Defends and retains against the winner of the New Japan Cup USA Shocker. 2020, Kenta. Shocker. Chris, man, what were your thoughts on this uh, big, strong main event here? I love it. I love the result. I love 
I, I love the match. I love that they kept it tight, you know, 15 minutes, and John Moxley comes out with the win. Not a lot of goofy back-and-forth uh, false finishes. I mean, just a, a brawl, you know, and they 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 did kind of – they did the best style match you can do in an empty arena, and they – you know, they acted like it was it was no big deal. I, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. I was a proponent of Moxley holding on to the belt. Um Tell I was us a why. proponent of him huh? I was a proponent of him holding on to the belt through the pandemic, wow. first of all. And then I'm I'm still a proponent of him being a champion in New Japan. He's not done. He's yeah. not done in New Japan. <laughs> um he doesn't want to be done in New Japan. He's got a lot that he wants to accomplish with New Japan. And I think the U.S. title is just the beginning. And but I do also think that John Moxley holding on to the U.S. title gives people reason to challenge him. And without reason to challenge a guy that's you know halfway across the globe, it's tough. You know that's that's tough. That's tough to build out um, if you're trying to build something from Japan over to the u.s right so but if he's got a title and now we have one fewer big singles title to uh to go after you've got a reason to call out john moxley like kenta did the whole time where's moxley right and so and i don't know if that happens on strong or maybe they've got an inside track or confidence that they're going to be able to get moxley over to japan a little bit easier or he's going to take some time off from AEW um for one of the one of the big shows coming up but um, yeah, I, I think I think he's a great champion. I think he's on top of his game, and there's there's no reason not to try to continue that relationship. I wasn't a fan of him holding it through the pandemic just because the traditionalist in me wants them to abide by their own rules. But aside from that, from a business standpoint, I, I 100% understand why they did it. It makes all the sense in the world. Um, as far as who was going to win here, I, I thought, you know, Kenta needed to win this belt so we'd have a, a champion that could go back and forth very easily as they, they've shown that Kenta can and maybe you're right Chris maybe Mox is going to continue to come back and forth he's already voiced his you know um, desire to do that so this might end up being a positive thing one thing I loved about the match was how invested in the outcome different camps of wrestling fandom were there were those who were truly utterly disappointed when their hero Kenta lost here. <laughs> yeah and they almost like hyped him up as this representative of their New Japan fandom against the AEW star who hijacked their belt. That's one one narrative that they were giving. And then on the other hand, you have people who are kind of in between, you know, who are New Japan fans but see the uh, the benefit of Mox, you know, being this mainstream global star who may potentially continue to showcase the belt on. AEW, you know, who's to say that I'm not saying this is going to happen, but who's to say he doesn't end up having defenses in AEW of the IWGP US title? I would, I mean, that opens up that possibility. I also like the idea if potentially maybe once a quarter he comes back to strong and does a defense once every three months or something like that. Right. That would be fucking cool. And then, you know, potentially there is going to be a chance for him to come um, to Japan. Uh, I'll, I'll hand it to you, Jeremy, but what I loved about this match was just Kenta was so fucking vicious. This was like maybe, I don't want to say it was his best performance because it wasn't his best match or anything like that since he's come back, but 
this felt like 2006 Kenta, and that's what Mox asked for, and that's what he got. And they told an incredible story. And then at the end of it, when he just had nothing left to give, and he's throwing the middle fingers, and he's yes. like, "Fuck you, Mox!" <laughs> I, bro, I love this. This and the elbow, I, I love it. Yeah, dude, this was an awesome main event. I think easily the best match um, in the history of New Japan Strong thus far. Like you guys mentioned, it, it was a fight. And we've noticed in the empty arena era, the, the matches that feel like fights are the ones that perform the best and get a lot of great reaction and buzz-wise. And that's what these guys did here. Like you mentioned, Josh, Mox asked for you know the Noah Kenta, the Kenta that was facing Kenta Kobashi and Brian Danielson in the Ring of Honor. That's the Kenta he wanted, and that's the Kenta he got. And it was a very hard-hitting fight. And yeah, I love the table spot of Kenta, you know, Kenta getting hit the elbow drop through a mock through the table. And yeah, it was just very hard hitting. And then I was surprised when uh, Mox got him up for the Death Rider, dropped him right on his head. One, two, three, retained the title. I think a lot of people like me just figured, you know, you're going to switch the belt, get it back on Kenta so they can use it. But like you mentioned, Chris, you made a lot of great points. And it, it makes a ton of sense to keep it on Mox. And especially we, we, we've seen tons of interviews in the last couple of weeks with Cody and Kenny and Tony Khan talking about the you know the cracks of the Forbidden Door opening and how they're both sides are talking and there's a working relationship and so yeah we were seeing the first Moxley you know strong appearance here so maybe there's more down the line we know that they do bulk tapings for strong so it could be very easily for him to go there on whatever day do a bunch of tapings and then not have to compromise the AEW schedule and we've seen on AEW Kenny Omega as a AAA champion he's defending that title. On Dark Before, so like you mentioned, Josh, him actually defending the U.S. title on an AEW show is you know possible that that could happen, um, and so yeah, it makes a ton of sense to keep it on Mox. And yeah, I really enjoyed this main event. If you guys have not watched it, go out of your way to watch this main event. I went uh, four stars on it. And same, same. Yeah, I think it, it was worth the hype, and I, I hope a lot of people got hooked from this match. Yeah. Uh, so after this match. Uh, they announced that this year's New Japan Cup USA Tournament is going to be an eight-man field. It'll begin on April 2nd episode of New Japan Strong. The winner is going to receive a future championship match against John Moxley for the U.S. title. I'm hoping we don't have to wait quite as long to get that title defense. I'm hoping that whoever wins it doesn't have to carry that janky briefcase <laughs> around. But you know what? I, you know, some people wouldn't like this, but I wouldn't mind if, like, Kenta just fucking ran through everybody in the tournament and got the rematch that way and looked like a badass doing it. And then then you're like, oh, shit, I didn't want to see it again. But now I do because he just, you know, killed Carl, Carl Fredericks or whatever, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then that played into a question from Rambo and Slam Pig. He said, with Mox retaining the U.S. belt, but also likely to be on sabbatical soon with his baby being born, it might be a while until he defends again. Who do you think the next challenger will be and should be and who should be the next champion? Well, I mean, who's to say, I don't know how far along Renee is, but I think Moxley has a couple of months of, of work ahead of him before he takes any time off for paternity. That's just based on my, you know, simple math of when he kind of announced that he was going to be a dad. So I think we got a little bit of time and there's a chance that maybe the, the belt falls off him before then, if he's got a defense or two before then, who should it be? I mean, I like the Kent idea. I'm okay with that. Um, I would also, you know, you got to imagine it's going to be someone who can easily get to the U.S. or, or you know, and is going to be in that United States champion um, or the New Japan Cup USA. I, I wouldn't mind that 
being the restart for someone like Carl Fredericks um, and like, you know, an elevation, maybe he's not going to win that match against Moxley, but to put him in it. It's a big deal. Right. So, and the, he's got a, he needs to come back. No pun intended. He needs to come back strong um, yeah. to, to, to get back his momentum from, you know, really losing his opportunity to debut in a big spot, which was going to be around this time last year when he was going to debut uh, against Kenta, not as a young lion anymore um in in the first round of the new japan cup so i think if i you know if i'm writing the story he's in the picture at least yeah for me i i think i really like to see filthy tom lawler Ooh, um good pick. be the winner of the new japan cup usa and be the next guy to challenge him we just talked about how great these you know fight style matches come off in this empty arena environment what better guy than filthy tom who's great at the shoot style has been a standout on the Bloodsport shows. We've seen Mark Rook Bloodsport. They could work a very, you know, hard-hitting, maybe quasi-shoot match, be very intense. And Phil Tom's a, a pretty big, you know, independent name here in the U.S. I think that would garner a lot of buzz. I don't think they face each other on a Bloodsport. They haven't touched each other yet. Not that and I so, know of. Yeah, so it'll be a first-time matchup. Big deal. Um Tom Law is great on the promos. Him and Mox back and forth on promos would be very good. And so that's a program I like to see. Two names that are bigger names within strong uh, product that could potentially make sense. One is a long shot, but there's always Jay Whiteo. Mm. Also, Jeff Cobb. I think Jeff Cobb could make a lot of sense. Um, but if you wanted to elevate some of the newer faces, um, I don't think Chris Dickinson's a bad idea. I don't think uh, Ren Narita is a bad mm. idea. Um, and some of the names that you guys mentioned as well. So um, they got options there. Um, but we got some questions here. Yeah, so first from Viking Pain, he says, so does the winner of the New Japan Cup USA 2021 tournament going to have to carry around that stupid red briefcase again until Moxley can defend the U.S. belt on the next blue moon? And is this where the recently rumored Marty Scroll shows up? Also, Jeremy and I talked about this. Thanks again, Jeremy. But what about the rest of you guys? Good idea, bad idea, and bring in Marty Scroll. So I'll start us off. Um, yeah, I don't know if they're gonna, um, you know, have to carry around a briefcase. I'm, I'm kind of over briefcases. I, I liked when they just had like a little, a little sheet of paper that was a contract <laughs> for us, Jay White. That was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I, I'm hoping we can forego the guy having to defend his his title shot until that point. Especially, I don't like it when a guy wins a tournament and then after going through the grueling tournament has to then turn around and defend his right. You know what I mean? He should right. just. Get the shot. Um, as far as the Marty stuff, we, we we pretty much know that that's probably the case, but it's not confirmed. We don't know who's to say that they don't just axe it, nix it off the card altogether. We're going to kind of wait and save that stuff for if and when it happens, but uh, it's likely happening. <laughs> and uh, we said on the show it was going to happen uh, a while back, and uh, it's not good. So, yeah. Yeah, on the, on the briefcase piece, I don't i would imagine this person's going to carry around a briefcase that's kind of the thing yeah um i mean it's wishful thinking it's just what happens around (laughs) these parts um kind of my like counter question is what makes everyone think that they're going to book this tournament for a u.s title shot after now establishing that john moxley i guess re-establishing a relationship with john moxley like, why do people think it's going to be just like it was last year? Like, they've clearly figured some stuff out, and they've, there's probably a plan in place for when he's going to defend this thing. And it may be in Japan. It may be here. 
right? It might be at Strong Again. It might be on AEW, right? They, there's a lot more. There's a lot greater chance that there's a plan for exactly when it's going to be, and I don't think it's going to be in 383 days like this last run was. Right. I mean, what if they somehow snuck an AEW guy into these strong tapings? You know, they all signed NDAs. You know, nothing gets out. So they could have sent over an, an AEW guy that's not being used on TV right now or, or that not in a program to be in this tournament and get the shot at Mox. Well, we got another question here from Dun Diesel, and I think he threw out uh, inadvertently a scenario that none of us really mentioned that I would love to see happen. He asked, does Mox keeping the U.S. belt mean we might see him more regularly on Strong, possibly in Japan? I think we addressed that. But he said, I'm really anxious to get that match with ZSJ that COVID robbed us of. How awesome would it be if Zach was brought over for, you know, this set of tapings? Or he may have already, and we don't even know about it. And, um, you know, he ends up being the guy. I don't know. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be cool. Definitely want to see that Mox Sabre match. I know there was somebody else, you know, Mox had teased on Observer Radio. There's a, a cool match that nobody would see coming that he wants. So who knows what that could be? Yeah, I like headcanon that for like an hour <laughs> I, was like, I was like who he's like you wouldn't know it but it it, it was gonna be awesome you never would think of it and i was like i was like i wonder if garrett at, or or dave asked him what that was and if i could find out because <laughs> i'm very curious i'm like hanare makabe <laughs> nagata who the fuck is it shooter i mean like is that the i don't oh, know that'd be cool the return of shooter oh, as yeah dude that would be big, dope big turn marty scroll yeah <laughs> yikes <laughs> um so this coming up friday begins the road to strong style evolved and we're gonna have some qualifying matches for the new japan cup usa 2021 tournament but the show is gonna open up with the return of carl fredericks and the return of alex Coglin to new japan strong that's just going to be Coughlin's strong debut. Him and Fredericks will team up to go against Clark Connors and Kevin Knight. Then the first qualifying match of the night is going to be Filthy Tom Lawler versus DKC. And then the main event and also a qualifying match for the New Japan Cup USA, our good friend Rocky Romero taking on Leo Rush. Uh, one interesting point I'd just like to make is, you know, Leo Rush and Rocky are both traditionally juniors. So, you know... Leo Rush, what if he was, like, the guy that got all the way through and that's the cool match nobody's thinking of? That would be kind of something different, interesting, you know, that there's not really the weight limitations here in, in you know, on the U.S. side of New Japan. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And to kind of end our strong conversation here, we had a question from Twitter follower at Conman520. He says, what NJPW strong not featured yet on the main roster shows do you think has the best chance to cross over and break out in Japan? Is he talking about competitor? Yeah, so like what non, like, you know, Dickinson, Lawler, Gandon, a strong guy that's not currently on like the main quote unquote New Japan roster. I'll just give you a quick answer, Chris Dickinson. Well you Yeah, Chris? I think I think Dickinson and, and Lawler, I think Lawler could could do some good too. Um, but Dickinson's been awesome on strong and he you know, he's just so invested. Um he's the guy he's the guy I want to see come over. Aesthetically, he looks like a New Japan guy of yesteryear. You know, he, mm-hmm. he just reminds me of Inokiism, but not the bad parts, the, bad, the badass parts. <laughs> I mean, you can just you can picture that guy with the Never Belt. Definitely, yeah, right. Like you can just picture him walking in with the Never Belt, going straight up to Jeff Cobb or something. You know, yeah, Dickinson would be my answer to. Uh, well, Philly, Philly Tom could be a, cl- a close second. 
Uh, I think Leo Rush, um, I mean, there's still the door to be you know open to see kind of what he does in a New Japan environment on a main show against some of the other talented juniors on that roster. You know, him in the best of Super the Juniors, I think, could be really cool to see. There's still the door for him to show how good he is, period. <laughs> period. <laughs> this guy has not had one single great match since he left WWE a year ago, and I'm keeping tally. <laughs> but he is traveling internationally since the pandemic began because he was on MTV's The Challenge, which was definitely not filmed in America. <laughs> yeah. But, so he, well, he was in Mexico too for Triple. Oh Triple yeah, That's right. He yeah, was the Marvel was, match. He was Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been talking about on the show. How, Get like, it? <laughs> I've been talking about on the show how like you know he lives off a reputation right now. People like act like he's out there just putting on classics, but like I'm watching all of them, and he's had no classics since he came back. Unlike say like ACH, who's putting out bangers. Yeah. So, uh, Ooh, ACH. Yeah, let's get him back too. I love yes. ACH. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. Are, are we there's getting good, there's are some we, good talent on Strong? Any, it's it's some real good wrestlers. Are we getting regular ACH or uh, Brody King ACH? <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> I don't was, know. Was that a rib? Like, what are we doing? I, didn't, I, don't, I don't know why they were the hood. You know, Brody King has been in Japan before, but never really in a serious capacity role. He's a guy that I would love for them to be able to bring back. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? Maybe he's a guy that could uh, go up against Mox that. That would be really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What he did a tour. He did a best of the super juniors tour on the undercard. Right. Right. Yeah. He was uh, yeah. teaming with Marty during that tour. Yeah. They won all their matches till they faced Okada and he got Rainmaker. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. So let's move on and talk about castle attack. We had two big castle attack shows this weekend. And we also had, before we got to the two castle attacks on the 27th and 28th on the 25th, we had a row two show with a tag title main event. Going to run through these results real quick, and then we'll briefly share our thoughts about the junior heavyweight tag team title match. So the card opened up. We had United Empire defeating Tanahashi, Kojima, and Yotosuji. We had the Chaos team of Okada, Sho, and Toriano defeating the Bull Club team of Chase Owens, Dick Togo, and Evil. We had the Chaos team of Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi defeating Jay White, Tamatonga, and Tangaloa. The semi-main event, we had LIJ team of Sonata, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito defeating Ibushi, Hanma, and Nagata. And then the main event was for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru defeat El Fantasma and Taiji Ishimori to become the new Junior Tag Team Champions. Real quick, guys, what are your thoughts on this match? I, I liked this match quite a bit. Um, I was nowhere near as far down as on the previous match that they had that had all the shenanigans and, you know, the multiple ref bumps and the cheating. I, I, I really, really enjoyed that match, and I've always pretty much generally enjoyed the uh, chemistry between these two teams. You know, we saw, saw them face off, like, in the junior tag title tournament, you know, late last year. So we, we've gotten some stuff out of them, and I, I thought they've always pre- uh, performed really well, but... I think this match is a little more palpable for a lot of, you know, die, like the purest fans who don't want to see all that shenanigans. And that's kind of what you got here was you got a straight classic junior tag team title match. Uh, 20 minutes, I don't think it overstayed its welcome. And, you know, Jeremy, you called the finish almost to a T last week where you said that Ishimori was going to get hit with a sudden, is it sudden death? Yep, sudden death. With a sudden death. And, you know, Ishimori died. And that left him completely out of out of the picture and uh, opened up the door for, you know, 
PJ Loco. and uh, Kenamaru to uh, wrap this thing up. It's nice. What do you think, Chris? I liked that they pretty much shot straight after the the last match. Same as Josh. I didn't I didn't particularly dislike the the last match. I it it but it did border on like a parody of how much stuff can we fit in that's like really kind of out there. Um, whereas this one they shot mostly straight. So I and this was you know I prefer this. Um, and I'll you know the title change. Everyone thought it was going to mean El Fantasma wins the junior heavyweight, right? The next night they were going to trade the belts. Um, but, I, you know, Hiroma going down um, really obviously put, um, put, put, uh, put a wrench in the, in the spokes here. So, um, yeah, enjoyed it. I love that El Desperado won this. We'll get, you know, we'll get further into it. But Desperado's the man right now. So, and I don't know if that's the spot, you know, Hiromu was going to be in if they just replaced it or if they just decided to like really strap the rocket to Despy. Yeah, uh, I really enjoyed this match as well. I got to say, it did start off kind of slow and the, the crowd was kind of dead at the beginning, but it definitely picked up. The pace picked up. And at the end of the day, I thought it was a really good match, good title change. Um, really enjoy yeah, the work Desperado is doing here. And yeah, I'm glad I kind of called the finish there. And also this uh, main event match also led into establishing what the junior title match was going to be because the opening of the show, Hiromu vacated the junior title and said, you know, he wanted Bushi to take his uh, spot in the match. But Despy got the pin over ELP here with the pinche loco in the main event and uh, or he pinned um, Ishimori, but still he got the win in the main event and was like, you know, I, I got the win here. Like I should be in this match, too. And so obviously the IWGP. Committee decided to make this a triple threat for the junior title match on night two, and that's how that match got set up. Yeah, you can criticize, you know, several of the booking decisions that have been made, you know, over the past year within New Japan, but as a as a whole, it's still such a well booked company, and this is, you know, a prime example of that. Uh, I also I I lean to the opinion that they audibled with some of these decisions based on Hiromu's injury. I don't know necessarily that they just straight up stuck Despy in his spot and just gave him Hiromu's booking. I don't think that's what happened here. I think that there was a likely scenario that was probably going to occur, and then they try to figure out, well, hey, we have to elevate this guy in a short period of time. What can we do here? And we saw something similar um, the other year when John Moxley was unable to come in because of the tsunami, and it seemed like they were getting ready to have juice win the red belt back and instead they went a totally different direction and put the belt on archer Mm -hmm. and that felt i mean it's not confirmed but it felt like that was an entirely different direction um you know that they that they ended up going in and we've so we've got some precedent for them doing things like that and that's what this feels like here and i think it it, it was smart and exciting and you know the the fact that everyone was expecting despy and um and elp but kind of interjecting bushy there it caused a lot of different scenarios to kind of play out in people's heads and you know speculations that sort of thing yeah i think it made a lot of sense too having bushy in there to kind of fight for the honor of hiromu give something for the lij fans to put their hope in get behind get the fans you know a baby face in the match to really get behind um so yeah i really like that 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 dynamic there we'll talk about that match here in a second but first we gotta look at night one which happened on saturday february 27th Opened up, we had the United Empire, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Will Ospreay defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi and Tenkoji. One, one thing, the post-match uh, 
Kojima was just lamenting how they haven't been able to get up on the United Empire all tour. And then he said, but I still got an arm. That's right. My man, Kojima, is the strongest arm. We'll talk, we'll talk about that strongest arm at the beginning of uh, night two. Uh, but then moving on here, uh, we can kind of talk about these two matches together because essentially they kind of flow together. We had uh, Tangaloa defeating um, Yoshihashi and then Hiroki Goto defeating Tamatonga. Uh, so essentially at the end of the Yoshihashi match, Tamatonga came out to run the distraction and then they beat down Yoshihashi at the end of that match. It kind of flowed into Goto running out and Goto and Tamatanga having their, their match. So thoughts on these two matches, guys? I think this is a really creative way to have a tag team match that you call two singles matches. <laughs> well, I mean, the, but the, I, I also like I actually mean that, though. I thought it was cool. Uh, it was a cool way to um, do a preview a couple of preview singles matches for the tag team championships. Um, and I love that Goto has now defeated Tamatanga six straight times. Tamatanga <laughs> cannot beat Goto in a singles match <laughs> at this point in their careers. I'm not sure it's ever going to happen for him. Um, and it's, I was actually kind of surprised, like, you know, you don't really ever think of Hiroki Goto versus Tamatanga singles matches, but there have been five of them before this. And, Tamatanga never wins, so um, it, it's it's just that that's right up my alley. Um, weird anomalies like that that just like kind of pop up, and you're like, oh, all right. So, but I I, I kind of thought that was uh, that would mean Tamatanga was going to get over on him this time, but nope, Goto still with the win. So I don't know. It was cool. It was it was a it was you know if you really look at it, it was 18 minutes, 19 minutes of good wrestling and. You didn't have to watch two more entrances, so I, I like that moving <laughs> things along. Yeah, they pulled the uh, the Paul Heyman special here with that, where where an angle leads into the next match. And we've seen that in New Japan before with other uh, gimmicks where they've done literally this, where they have you know a tag team feud going on, and then they they do singles matches as the previews, and it, you can usually anticipate based off Gato's booking that they'll do this. Um, one thing I thought was cool was just you know if this was two years ago. And you were looking at these two pairs, you'd say Goto and Tamatonga are the A side of their tag teams. In a sense, they still are. They got the higher billing. But the the real time to work was given to Tangaloa and Yoshihashi. And I think most fans, not all, but most fans that are watching, especially the Rotu shows, have kind of acknowledged like these are the guys who are kind of like right now the workhorses of those two pairings. And that sounds so strange to say that. <laughs> Because you wouldn't traditionally think that, but uh, that that was the case here. And I thought uh, Tangaloa and Yoshihashi went out there, put on really good effort, really solid match. Uh, nothing I'd say you need to go out of your way to see, but if you if you're like, hey, I got time to kill and want to see a, a you know good solid wrestling match, I thought these guys you know exceeded expectations. And then Goto and Tamatanga, I'm never really a big fan of them, but. When, when they're running the ropes, it's fucking awesome. And at, yeah. at 6 minutes, 39 seconds, it didn't take too long to get to the rope running. So I like that, too. Yeah, Goto, Tamatanga didn't overstay its welcome. Nice little, you know, 6 minute, 39 second, 39 second match. And yeah, Tangaloa and Yoshihashi, it's a good little match, man. I've been saying for a while, man, Tangaloa is low-key raw. Yoshihashi has been, you know, super motivated since winning the, the Never Six Man titles. And these guys are nice little... Back and forth here, good fight. You know, Tangaloa kind of bullying Yoshihashi throughout the match and, you know, screaming at him, wanting to see his fighting spirit and really trying to motivate him and telling him not to, not to die on him and really pushing yeah. him to his level. 
that was kind of cool. We're seeing some, you know, character development of Tangaloa, seeing him talk more, kind of, you know, get into his own, be comfortable in his, in his own skin here in New Japan. So that's that's kind of cool to see, like, the growth of Tangaloa. And so, yeah, I thought it was a, a good little match. I enjoyed it. I'm not always a fan of, you know, the melodramatic talking in matches, but I'm a big fan of the shit talking in matches. <laughs> yeah. And when Tangaloa was like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I was watching this with my girl. She's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very glad he wasn't telling him that he's the head of the table. Yeah. <laughs> Acknowledge me, Yoshi. <laughs> this oh. can all be over. <laughs> oh, man. But that's the best heel in wrestling. <laughs> that is one of the worst takes in, out there. I cannot believe that. Let's no, let's yeah. talk about... Yeah, yeah, speaking of great heels in wrestling, let's talk about our man, the crown jewel, Chase Owens, the Texas heavyweight champion, went in here to take on Toriano for the provisional KOPW 2021 Trophy in a YTR-style Texas strap match. Toriano was able to successfully defend and defeat Chase Owens. So, so, so surprised at how violent and competently wrestled this match actually ended up being. Um, You know, I don't expect this sort of performance out of Yano all the time, but every once in a blue moon, you you get something like this. And now, now were there some shenanigans? Yes, there were. But they went out there and wrestled like a Southern-style strap match with a lot of smart, uh, you know, cutoffs. Real, I mean, bro, the, the the welts on their backs. Like, this was not just, like, playtime, you know, tie up a guy with, with uh, you know, some tape Yano. Like, they went out there and actually had a war. And um, given the gimmicks and, and the stipulations, I didn't think this was going to be that good. And, you know, if you told me last week that they were going to go out there for 12 minutes plus, I would have been like, oh, God. <laughs> but uh, this is, I give this a recommend. I don't know what star rating I give it, but I give it a big recommend. If you didn't watch it, if you skipped over it, you did yourself a little bit of a disservice. You need to watch this match. It was probably one of the most violent matches of the year in New Japan, as unbelievable as that is. And then I loved the the drama of the finish. Just like both guys going for that, that fucking last uh, thing and then the powerbomb finish. And like, this is old Yano, you know, this is Yano reverting back to his death form, match on his former self is awesome. Yeah. I was very surprised by this because chase isn't exactly a serious wrestler. Most of the time either. He kind of, he teeters on like serious guy that teeters to comedy. Right. So, yeah. um, but this was good. I mean, like fun to watch surprising. Right. And once I realized that they were like, really going to go after it, I was like, I'm going to key in on this and like actually see what's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean like really, really had a good time with it. Um, you know, this is, this is what this little title or trophy could be. Um, you know, I know that the Yano stuff gets people watching a certain segment of the fan base. It really enjoys the Yano stuff and him being highlighted is, is cool. But like, also, I don't know if they've turned this into this, more often than not with a, you know, maybe with different, you know, different wrestlers, you know, this could be a, this could be a really fun, you know, third from the top, fourth from the top type title trophy thing. Like it could be a real thing instead of it just being like, you know, it's comedy hour. So I'm, I'm curious to see if this is a sign of things to come or a sign of what this would be without Toriano involved. But um, ultimately 
uh, this particular Yano match was was legit. Yeah, and you know, one thing that we had kind of complained about about KOPW in the beginning is we're like kind of the voting and the matchup and stipulations kind of coming out of nowhere, not really being built. But I felt like for this match, they did a good job of kind of building up to the stipulation. You had Chase, you know, he, he got the Texas title from Dr. Tom Pritchard and He's coming out with a strap and he's whipping Yano throughout the road twos. And so there was definitely the kind of build up to the strap. Are the straps involved now? Is it going to be a traditional strap match or the YTR strap match? So we know Yano removes the, the turnbuckle pads every match. And so it kind, of, it kind of made sense. There was kind of some build to it. So I really like that they kind of told a story into the voting and the match stipulation. It's going to kind of throw out two random stipulations or had the wrestlers quote unquote pick what their stipulations were, were going to be. Well, not really. Making sense into the story I don't know There was a lot of choking Going on in those Multi-man matches <laughs> A little bit too much Choking for my taste But uh, I hear you Yeah but yeah Good matchup Yeah Like you mentioned Josh Yeah really uh, violent With the with the, the strap shots To the back And those welt marks And yeah definitely More you know Hard hitting A little bit more serious Than I thought it was going to be Believe it or not We got two questions Surrounding this match <laughs> Yeah So uh, Reddit user Viking Payne says Is the belt that Chase Owens Is carrying around The real NWA Texas Heavyweight Championship The same belt that Luthez, Buddy Rogers And the Von Erics held How did he get it And is the belt Going to get featured In New Japan uh, Yes It is It is Yep It is um, No one knows How he got it So that's a great I mean, question th- th- They've been asking For the footage Of the title defense The title <laughs> win But he, he refuses To hand over the footage You know we, we see on New Japan World, we've got an Impact section, we've got AEW section. We could have a Texas wrestling section, but, you know, Owens doesn't want to get the footage up. Yes, uh, the footage. So, <laughs> the history lesson on this belt, this is actually, this belt actually predates the NWA. This is the Texas Heavyweight Championship. It's probably one of the oldest, actually, you know, still semi-existing, you know, titles in American history and, uh, you know, at some point, and this thing is so old, and the record because it's in Texas, and you know, it was like a territory, and then, and then, you know, all over the Indies, the records are shit. Like it's really hard to like figure out what really happened here. But um, you know, it started in the '30s. At some point, probably in the '40s or '50s, it became the NWA Texas Heavyweight Championship. It ended up getting defended in World Class in the '80s. It eventually, when they split from the NWA, became the World Class. Wrestling Association, Texas Heavyweight Championship. It then reverted to the USWA, Texas Heavyweight Championship. It went back to world class and then back to USWA. And then, you know, years later, I think like 97-ish, after USWA folded, it be- it became an NWA affiliate title once again. And it kind of died a few years back when, you know, NWA affiliate wrestling in Texas sort of just kind of vanished. You know, those... That time period's kind of murky. It's prior to Billy Corgan, um, you know, pretty much ending all the affiliates and become making them like a corporation or whatever. Um, so at this current time, it's not the NWA Texas Heavyweight Championship. It's still just the Texas Heavyweight Championship it has the same design. And even though you guys are playing up the gimmick, it sounds like based on what we've been told, Tom Pritchard, who yeah. apparently just has some authority in Texas, I don't know, <laughs> handed this man the title. So... I think it's been defunct for like since 2012. 2012, yeah. And now it exists again. I doubt it will be anything that actually has any real significance or value in New Japan, but it's kind of nice to see, you know, Chase car- carrying the silver strap around, you know? 
Well, that plays into yeah. our, our next question uh, from Reddit user D underscore third underscore Jen. He says, I was a couple drinks into Castle Attack night one when Chase Owens came out with the Texas Heavyweight Championship. Then my drunk idiot self thought, what if New Japan is trying to swerve us in the actual title unification we get? It's a belt <laughs> and KOPW 2021. I'm putting, the bottle, I'm putting down the bottle for a couple of days. What do you think they'll do with this title, if anything? So I don't think this is anything more than just a, a story for Chase Owens to tell right. via, you know, Kevin Kelly really getting behind it, too. Um, there is a cool name uh, on the, the list of of uh, Texas. There's a lot of cool names on the list of Texas Heavyweight Championships. But uh, recently, Lance Hoyt in 2011, yeah, uh, also known as Lance Archer. So um, he was the one of the last champions before Chase Owens big run here. So um that's kind of that's kind of neat. I I can't imagine that'll actually come into play with anything unless Lance is is making a big return to New Japan. But um, kind of fun to connect the dots in that way. But no, I don't I don't think they're going to end up doing much with this. Chase is probably just going to carry this thing around for like the rest of his career and never defend it. Right. It's it's something that Chase came up with to kind of help get himself over. You know, he could just kind of be a regular low car bull club guy, but. We kind of see this with Chase. He kind of does things, you know, whether it's him calling himself a Tongan or kind of doing these different things to kind of get himself over and add some character to him. So I think this, this whole Texas heavyweight title is like a way just to give him something new and it's a way to kind of get him over and be a little bit different. Here's another interesting name. 1989, the Punisher held this title. You guys know who the Punisher is? Who's the Punisher? Texas Red, baby. Mean Mark Callis. Mm. Punisher Dice Morgan, <laughs> the <Not> Undertaker. <laughs> well, uh, let's move on here to the semi-main event, Castle Attack Night One. We had the Switchblade, Jay White, of course, accompanied with Gato, defeating finally defeating Tomohiro Ishii. Twenty-five minutes, forty-two seconds. Got the uh, Ishii um, monkey off his back, literally. Yes. <laughs> what do you think about this one, Chris? I love this match. These two have fantastic chemistry. Um, it was really good. I thought it was really good. I was watching the match, and then they went into the whole finishing sequence, which was just fantastic. Um, and then, you know, Jay White hits a Blade Runner kind of out of nowhere after, you know, you could you could tell they're building and building and building and building and going and going and going, and all of a sudden, bam, Blade Runner done. So I, I enjoyed the hell out of this match. Uh, on this particular card, definitely my favorite match of the night. Um, and I like the advancement for Jay White. I liked the the whole Ishii story, how Ishii pinned him at uh, New Year's Dash. Jay White goes away. I don't know that the company leveraged the Jay White might be leaving story quite as much as I would have liked them to. Right. But to to bounce him back and have him come back and 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 have a program with Ishii. And I thought the build up on the Road Two shows was great too. Um, you know, I think these guys, I don't know how often they're going to wrestle in the future and if it's going to be like a long-standing back and forth feud or if this was just the moment that Jay finally gets past it, but um I'll, you know, I'll I'll happily take some Jay White and Ishii matches. I think they they play off each other well and their styles are just different enough that it's fascinating to watch them interact. Yeah, you mentioned uh that they have fantastic chemistry, but my real question is who doesn't Ishii have great chemistry with? Right. It's the fucking man. Right. <laughs> and I mean, you could say similar about Jay White, not quite to the same level, but he's got, I mean, yeah. there's very few opponents that you look at Jay White and you're like, this ain't going to be good. <laughs> yeah. But I think they're great dance partners for each other. You know, you, you have Jay who's kind of 
at first kind of cowardly. He's powdering. He's very, you know, cerebral. He's going to target a body part and kind of manipulate the match to to get in control and take advantage of certain things to get in control. And then you have Ishii, who's just kind of the no-nonsense, I'm coming straight for you head first, not backing down. And I think their styles are so opposite, but mesh very well together. I really enjoy this main event. I think a lot of people are underrating, or excuse me, semi-main event, I should say. I think a lot of people are underrating this match. I think it was great. It was a great story kind of being told uh, in, the, in this match. And then, like you mentioned, Chris, that closing sequence was just absolutely awesome. Yes. Just the exchanges and back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and then Boom, Blade Runner. That's the one thing I've always loved about the Blade Runner. And finishers like that that can come out of nowhere. Yeah. Is you can do those great kind of closing sequences and literally just boom, drop them out of nowhere. And I just loved how that finish came off. Well, you got to have the right guy who knows how to put together the right kind of sequence to capitalize on that. Because, I mean, you look at uh, Bray Wyatt, for instance, he does the exact same move. And, you know, it's effective and it gets over. And sometimes it comes from out of nowhere. But, I mean, I, I don't think his versatility with that move is anywhere near what Jay White does, just as an example, you know? So it kind of uh, goes to show you just, you know, how smart he is in the ring, and whether it's him or someone else that's helping him put his matches together, I mean, they've done a fantastic job. He has really become, and has been for a while, the best counter-wrestler in New Japan, which mm-hmm. is an awesome story. Uh, part of that story was also played out where, and th- this might be one of my favorite points, Parts of the match was Ishii goes up for the brain buster and then Jay White reverses it and hits his own brain buster. Mm, yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I popped for that. <laughs> the other part I popped for was when he was uh, up on the turnbuckle and you talked about Ishii coming at him head first. Well, he literally came at him head first. He fucking jumped up <laughs> in the air and headbutt him. Like, I was like, holy shit. It's like, a, I mean, Gino Gambino nailed it. He goes, oh, it's like a check in the box. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It's like, what a line. Like, it was perfect. Gino's one-liners are getting real. I mean, they've been good for a while, but they're getting really good. Um, I do think it's interesting. Um, I thought the match they had at G1 Walt was fantastic. I thought it was a tad overrated. Mm. And I think that this match is a tad underrated. And I'm not totally sure why people aren't as behind it. Maybe it's because the, you know, the the sense of malaise that there is with the product or whatever. But um, this was, I mean, if... You know, Abushi Naito didn't happen this month. This would probably be my match of the month. I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I and mean, dude, Jay was hitting a lot of cool moves in this match. There was a Uranagi that he dropped Ishii like right on his head. Uh, the Kiwi Crusher looked sick in this match as well. There was a lot of great. Uh, the Sleeper Suplex always looks great. There was, there was a lot of Ishii getting dropped on his head in this match. Uh, yeah, a lot of great moves, a lot of great counters, great story. Yeah, I love what, One last part about the story that I just found so interesting is like, you know, Jay has never been able to beat this guy. He's tried every trick in the book, you know, and suddenly in this match, he was able to come up with a game plan and piece it together to finally put this guy away. And it's been so daunting for him, but like, yeah, he did dickish things and yeah, he did some heelish, you know, tactics, some stalling and stuff like that. But ultimately he beat this man clean. And sometimes you need your heels to not just get over in a schmoz fashion. You need them to beat, the, the, the guys that they're going up against clean from time to time. And that's what happened here. And, and uh, you know, it lends more credibility to Jay White. And I, I wouldn't mind seeing these guys again down the road. Definitely. So let's move on to the main event of Castle Neck 
Castle Attack Night 1, we had the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, defeating Evil, Dick Togo, 28 minutes and 11 seconds. Kick us off, Chris. Yeah. This happened. <laughs> <laughs> it... Yeah, those are are, are my thoughts exactly. It it was kind of there. It happened. It was a match. Um, I mean, I I don't think it was terrible, but it it wasn't great either. Yeah, like what did it mean? Like what 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 did we really get out of this besides really establishing that evil can't buy a win right now he yeah. hasn't won a singles match since october um okada still messing around with the money clip getting weird um yeah i mean like it was a fine match it got evil dick togo shenanigans you know the whole the whole shot okada trying to kind of defend the the sanctity of the main event in new Japan. So like, but I wish that was more of this story. I wish Okada, like not necessarily just fending off the um, interference, but battling against it and just like knowing it was going to happen and just being like, not today we're having a match, right? Like that's where this, that's where I wanted this to go because Okada's talked about um, how main events have gotten. So, you know, overblown with run-ins and interference and stuff and he's doing all these interviews and things of the sort to really talk down on evil so i hoped that the story was going to be nope we're not doing this and dick togo was going to get rainmaker two seconds into the match and then evil was going to be on his own but you know really they did the cookie cutter evil okada match that you could picture in your mind and okada wins and you know maybe that sets him up for a run through the new japan cup but i still think okada's kind of cold I think this could have heated him up, um, you know, a big win with a big story that comes out of it to really level level set that evils, a, you know, a mid Carter. But um, they did not murder the evil gimmick. So, um, you know, Dick Togo will continue, I'm sure. Yeah, and it's kind of like Josh mentioned last week on the show, like we really wanted we're hoping that, like you mentioned, like this story, like a Vokada warning the main events to be quote unquote IWGP level again, that he would go out there and have this kind of classic, you know, barn burner with evil, you know, really give evil a great main event and kind of establish, you know, this is what my main event should be. And like you mentioned, that's not what we saw. We we saw the, the kind of the, the typical Okada evil match. I don't think there was as many shenanigans as the New Japan Cup final match last year. Um, but I mean, also there, there still was shenanigans. But it was what it was. It's over, and I'm not. I mean, I don't have much more to say about it. <laughs> I'll say this: um, Okada and Evil are capable of having better matches. Yes, they have. But this might be the best. Match that they're capable of having In these current Roles that they've resigned themselves to I thought the match That doesn't mean I'm saying the match was very good Or anything like that but One thing I did notice the crowd Super fucking into it I don't entirely Know why but they were popping Way more for this match Than they were for Jay White And Tomohiro Ishii They were popping for almost everything they did Um so it, it, that was kind of interesting. I think that helped my um, 
judgment of the match quite a bit. Just the fact that the crowd was so reactive to everything. Um, even sometimes like audibly gasping, which they are not really supposed to be doing, <laughs> yeah. but they did. Uh, and there, there was some like stuff that I liked on the ramp and on the outside that just kind of remind me of like old school New Japan. It, this match wasn't like a classic by any means, but it also wasn't the worst match that the, I mean, it wasn't as bad as say like the one they had at the New Japan Cup in the finals last year, right? So, or even the match they had last month. So I thought it was fine. Um, at the end of the match, and and you know, oh, one thing I do want to say, I mean, Okada. Every time the match started to get good, Okada put on the fucking money clip <laughs> and killed the momentum again. So it wasn't all evil here, um, <laughs> but but he he did uh, end up winning with the Rainmaker. Yes, he did. At the end of the match, he cut a promo and he talked about how he wanted to get back to the IWGP level. And I saw Emily Pratt put out a uh, a meme that said, like in a narration voice. He would not get back to I because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that shit is gone. Little did he know. Little did he know. <laughs> um, you guys something, Chris? I yeah, I wanted to, and then I lost it, and it's just I don't I just don't have much more to give on this one. I think this match would have been perceived so much differently outside of the main event. Oh, possibly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, I wish they would have would have flopped them. But yeah. the thing is, like, it's Okada, so they probably and and evil. They probably felt obligated, right? Yeah. Well, and crowds and myself included, I hate evil. Like, I want that dude to lose, and like that is a testament to the work New Japan has done to get him over as someone that you want to see fail. But I want to. I also just once I want to see him fail clean. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that might be why maybe that's part of it is why the crowd was reacting because it's so believable that Okada can beat him. And he's kind of been a thorn in his side for, you know, this past year in, in various different degrees. And like, this was his comeuppance and, you know, that is kind of an old school sort of mindset. But I think for this crowd, it probably worked because the, everything Okada did, they reacted to, I think they wanted to see evil lose and then when he did, they went home happy. So, all in all, it's not the this low key. This is a really good card on the twenty seventh. Yeah, top to bottom. I mean, there, I have no complaints. Well, let's talk about the twenty eighth now. Night two of Castle Attack opened up with Tenkoji defeating the United Empire. My man, Satoshi Kojima, <laughs> leader of the Bread Club, with the strongest arm, just cleaned, knocked off Jeff Cobb's head, got the one, two, three for the team. Big upset win there. I was a little surprised by this because they've been building up Jeff Cobb, having him win almost exclusively every match for the United Empire all throughout the tour, and then suddenly he eats a clean pinfall to Kojima, and I was like, that's just so backwards. Why are they doing that? But then seeing that they're slotted first round in the New Japan Cup against one another, it makes sense. So I'm and and you know, I'm anytime like Tenkoji rides high, like I'm I'm for it. I don't care. Yeah. As soon as you got the win, I was like, all right, they're they're probably facing off in New Japan Cup. <laughs> yeah, and this match was this match was good. Like these this these uh the United Empire versus Tenkoji, like it's been a really fun uh, feud, right? And it's going to have to end here soon, probably after these New Japan Cup matches, because Osprey's got um, Tenzon too. So like they're still paired up in the first round. But so I mean, I tweeted this during the during the show or whenever I watched. Yeah, I watched the show live. Um, it, Satoshi Kojima is the first person to pin Jeff Cobb in, in a New Japan ring since 
Will Ospreay pinned Jeff Cobb on February 24th, 2019. Oh, sorry, in a New Japan tag team match. Obviously, like, he's lost some singles. I was like, he lost some stuff in the G1. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he, he hasn't lost a tag match. He hasn't been pinned in a tag match since when he was on an Honor Rising tour. Wow. Tagging wow. with Dalton Castle. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's been a while, and, and Cobb's been the protect, and he's done full world tag league tours like he's been very protected in in that way and and he was on a string coming into these two nights where he had nine straight pinfall wins for uh the united empire like he was the guy in the finish um so that's why it was it was they built up Cobb to be this kind of monster finisher and um kojima just knocked his head off it was awesome one other aspect we'd be remiss if we forgot to mention this so, you know, Tenzan lost the Mongolian chops. He's not allowed to use them. You know, we asked earlier, well, what happens if he uses them? What, what's going to happen? And we were like, well, I don't know, some, something. Well, apparently nothing because <laughs> this man started using, using them in this match. And, uh, you know, they were, they were goading him. They were taunting him. And he just got fed up. He had enough. Start unleashing the chops. And I think that was a big part of why they uh, got the win here, too. Yeah. So, yeah, there was no DQ call, no, you know, Punishment for using the the Mongolian chops. Sugabayashi's not, you know, going to give him a fine. Yeah, something uh, needs to happen here. I think the, I, the IWGP needs to rule on this shit. This is not <laughs> right. You need to be a man of honor and stick by your uh, by your word. You they're, know? they're too busy emerging titles right now <laughs> to uh, worry about Tenzan's chops. This would never happen if the never if the never committee was overseeing this match, <laughs> sanctioning it. And uh, one other uh, story note in this match, and kind of another reason why Cobb and Osprey lost. A story that they told in this match was that Cobb and Osprey don't have great chemistry as a team. Um, you know, oh, that, but that's not what uh, Dave Meltzer said. He said that if they team together, they'd be like the best tag team in wrestling. <laughs> well, Uncle Dave was wrong here, and you know, Cobb, lot, <laughs> Cobb and Osprey had some uh, issues. You know, chemistry issues here, some communication issues. They were bumping into each other and weren't really working as a well-oiled unit like we've seen, let's say, you know, Cobb and Ocon or Osprey and Ocon, but this this Cobb-Osprey team just not used to working together. That's old and, country beef. Yeah, um, and so that kind of was a downfall into the their them losing as well. So then moving on, we had a Chaos versus Bullet Club matchup here, kind of tying up the loose ends from night one. We had Okada, Ishii, and Toriyano defeating the Bullet Club team of Chase, Owens, Evil, and Jay White. After that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing to really talk about there. It was a preview match. Let's move on. Yeah. Then we had the first. It was a review match. Re- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's like, eh, let's just run it back in a trio. Um, yeah, I don't have anything else to say. Just thought it was funny. IWGP Tag Team Heavyweight Title Match as the Gorillas of Destiny defended their title successfully against the Chaos Team of. Hiroki Goto and Yoshihashi. 14 minutes. I'm sorry, 15 minutes, 46 seconds. Yeah, good tactile defense here. Really good matchup. And again, for the most part, this match was wrestled pretty clean um, until the finish where we got the, the kendo stick shot from Master Hito Jato, uh, which was allowed uh, Tamatanga to uh, hit the gun stun there and, and get the pinball for GOD. But I thought throughout the match, um, it was really good. It was really, really hard hitting. They told, told a good story, and you know, there was a minimal shenanigans. I think Goto and Yoshihashi might be my favorite tag team in New Japan in terms of like just in ring right now. Like until like Dangerous Techers come back, because every time they go out there, like they, they put on bangers, and I thought this was really good. 
I'm still waiting for a good run from Goto and Ishii. Um, it's never. <laughs> it's, it's, we, we've been. Every, every, I know. We all want it. <laughs> I know. You had to do it. But how do you get the belts off of them? Um, yeah, this was a really good tag match. I mean, good pace. Kept kept the pace high. Uh, good story. Minimal shenanigans. Just the one kendo stick shot. And that's that's pretty normal, right? Just one quick distraction for, for um, G.O.D. But yeah, I mean good good great tag team match I, I i at no point did i really see goto and yoshihashi win in this thing no. but um they did a good job building them up to look like they could yeah there was, they got a, a lot of heat on yoshihashi and there was the uh, the powerbomb spot yeah. where uh from tangalore oh, yeah. it looked like yoshihashi was like knocked out and they were potentially teasing stopping the match and so that kind of built the heat there, and it built to the finish of with Goto and uh, Tamatonga, which was the singles match on the previous night, and Goto got the win. So you, you're thinking, oh, well, Goto, you know, pinned this guy night one. Goto could pin him again, um, which led to Tamatonga actually getting the win back and pinning Goto. And what I liked about it is um, that finish. All four men were in the ring, and it was kind of you know just sort of like in the middle of like a schmaz. It didn't necessarily at that point feel. Like they were telegraphing, like here comes the finish, like they do in a lot of their tag matches. It was mid sequence, and then suddenly, boom, kendo stick, boom, gun stun. And you're like, oh shit, it's over. Like that came out of nowhere. It was pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. They had a stat. Um, wasn't this like their like, I don't know, ninety second like win or I don't know what the fuck it was for God. Yeah, for God. Some for God. It's their twenty ninth. IWGP Tag Team Championship match. So they've been in like 11%, if you're doing a little rounding, 11% of all-time IWGP Tag Team Championship matches. And I said 90 second. I got the right numbers. I just put them in. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. That's 29 sounds, you know, more, yeah. more accurate. But yeah, Yoshi and Goto, and Goto too, they've they've formed great chemistry, and there's a lot of cool double-team movers. You know, they've kind of created these, like, Double team combos based off the GTR, like the GYW and, and the GYR. And so there's a lot of cool double teams. And that was kind of talked about on commentary how at first there weren't a lot of double team moves, but now they have a lot of different double team you know, tandems and combos and these kind of combo finishers. So good little story there. Tag company. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Dun Diesel asked us, has Tangaloa always been this badass? He's had so much intensity lately that he's miles above Tama for me. When he's screaming at Yoshihashi to get up, don't you die me? I literally got goosebumps. Give me Tangaloa singles run, please. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, being a son of Haku, you you kind of have to be a badass. A badass have to, right? But you know, we're we're seeing him, you know, grow and get better. You know, this was this was no Camacho here. This this was Tangaloa, and you know, like we mentioned, you know, he's he's doing the insecurities, he's doing these power moves, he's firing up, he's talking the shit. Uh, during the match And so like I mentioned earlier He's just kind of coming into his own right now I hate to be those guys But like if you've been listening to this podcast I think we've been on the Tama train around Or Tangaloa train since like Probably G1 2018 When he went on that long run of winning all the all Tag the, matches The yeah. tag matches on the undercard we're like And that's when he like debuted Ape Shit. We're like Tangaloa fucking rocks So you know Just saying He looks good um singles run i don't know he's not in the new japan cup sounds like he's got something else he's got to do maybe but like focus uh, on his tag team titles <laughs> <laughs> like continue focusing on the tag team titles so but yeah he looks awesome um i always i always like giving the 
the guys who've been in tag teams for a long time, like splitting them out and, and giving them a good good singles run, g- just give it a shot, right? You never know what you got until you, you try it. So um, would have liked to see Tangaloa appear in the in the New Japan Cup or just in more singles matches in general in Japan. Um, you know, I think he there's a chance he's going to end up with some singles matches on Strong, and that's just such a different environment where the trash talk doesn't land quite as as well, right? Because you don't have a crowd to react. So, um, but yeah, he looks he looks good, and he looks like ripped. So yeah. he's in like very good peak physical physical condition. I have another question here from our user Dom Homie One Hundred One. So are we heading towards a confrontation between IWGP Tag Heavyweight Champs God? AEW Tag Champs Young Bucks and Impact World Tag Team Champions Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson in the near future. Uh, I saw something about them like I don't know tweeting each other, but I'm I didn't really keep up with it, uh, so I I don't really know. I mean, with the uh, the doors opening, I mean it's it's a possibility. <laughs> I could only speculate that there are two empty slots in the New Japan Cup that probably emptied really quickly. So, mm. I, that's all I can speculate on. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, let's move well, on. We, we've okay. got three matches. We're 20 minutes over our time, so we need to keep these ones short so we can get into this New Japan uh, Cup stuff, even though I know that this is the good stuff here. Yeah, so our final three title matches. So, first, we have the, the Never Openweight title match. Hoshi Tanahashi defeats the great Okan, defends the title, 18 minutes, 44 seconds. Uh, Thought this was a great matchup here. I know there's a lot of people who are hating on great Okan, but I thought he looked great in this match. He was a monster, was overpowering Tanahashi. A lot of great power moves, great game plan, but in the end, he just got outsmarted by the ace with that quick crucifix spin. I, I love this. I thought Okan looked great. I think Tanahashi looked great. I think... Everyone on the planet thought Okan was going to take the title here. And, yes. you know, I I kind of love the swerve. And I love that Tanahashi is Okan's, like, arch nemesis. Like, he's yes. going to be his big boss at the end of something, right? At some point down the line. But it's not yet, right? Yeah. So it, it's interesting that the booking of Great Okan is interesting. Great Okan, I think this was his best physically wrestled singles match since coming back. Um, I enjoyed it. thought it was good. Yeah, I'll try not to repeat the things you guys said. You guys said some great stuff there. Um, some of the aspects of this match I liked, we've said in the past, you don't hook with a hooker, and you don't dragon screw with a dragon <laughs> screw. And he tried to focus on Tanahashi's leg, and he's like, fuck that, I'm taking your leg out. Loved that aspect of it. Loved that he was trying to turn Suji, who is a representative right, yeah. of what he used to be to Tanahashi. He was it, it was a, it's almost uh like fucking Star Wars. He's trying to turn the young Padawan against <laughs> the, dark the Jedi side. to the dark side. <laughs> um although I didn't like that Suji balled up his fist and thought about it. He was working it, man. Yeah, I guess so. He had he had to lead Ocon to a false, <laughs> you know, setting that he actually was thinking about turning, so when the chair spot came Okan would actually think that Suji would hit him with the well, chair. Well, I got work too, so I'm a fucking mark. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, Tanahashi rolling this guy up, um, you know, with the crucifix, that was just, he used his veteran wiles to, you know, overcome his uh, his overconfidence and his aggressiveness, which is a great story. And I'm looking forward to see what happens next. And I, again, I was shocked. I thought, based on the fact that Okan had already lost the big match to him before, 
he's going to get the win back here. So, you know, that's the booking. But I think with the fact that we're get, we're having less titles in New Japan and we're elevating some of these mid cards, that makes more sense of why they're keeping Tanahashi on the title as opposed to switching it. Now, if you saw this title at Never Level, makes all the sense, you know, or the old Never Level, level makes sense to put it on Okan. But if you're talking about, like, the number two title in the company, makes sense to keep it on Tanahashi. Right, and we had a question here from EMJ Does PR. It says, Tanahashi said he's going to elevate the Never title. What slate of opponents does he need to face in order to do so? I think maybe we could each give one. Um, can you guys think of one guy you'd like to see him fight to elevate this belt? Jay White. Oh, that's, mm, that's a good one. Uh, I know these guys have faced before. He's faced before, but Suzuki, I mean, oh, he, he's the yes. face of Never, but it's a whole different thing if it's Tanahashi and Suzuki fighting over that Never belt. Um I think they'd have to get his title off of him, but John Moxley. Mm, yeah, that could be good. Yep. Uh, so moving on to the semi-main event, we had the triple threat match for the vacant IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. El Sparado defeats Bushi and ELP 23 minutes and 12 seconds to become the new Junior Heavyweight champ. He is now Despy two belts as he is the king <laughs> of the junior division. He's one half of the junior tech champs and the now new IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion. I I really enjoyed this match. I kind of was told ahead of time that they for they they went away from all of the tropes that you see with junior matches or with uh, triple threats, and they they kept the action in the ring the whole time. That was not uh, uh, an accurate narrative. Um, there's plenty of times where specifically Bushi as well as Desperado were left laying on the outside. Um, but I thought this match had incredible high spots. I thought it had really good storytelling. I loved the mask ripping and how that plays off of, it's almost like a desecration of how many New Japan fans have like sort of elevated in their minds the the, the moment when he took his mask off against Hiromu and now Hiromu's gone. So it, and, and instead, like, this man's just fucking ripping that mask and, you know, putting it on himself and just making a, a mockery of everything that that stands for. Um, and then the, the closing sequence, all the false finishes was very, very good. I'm not quite as high on this match as other people. I thought it had a wonky pacing, but that's kind of how most triple threats are. I thought it was a little slower. Uh, I thought the star of the match was ELP, and I was shocked that he didn't win because I thought that that's where they were going and I was more than elated to see uh, to see Desperado finally, after all these years, win the big one. And uh, it's very exciting. Yeah, I tropey triple threat matches turn me off. Not usually into them. They did do the whole thing where like one guy would disappear for a little while, then kind of come back and then fight somebody else and like kind of rotate through. But they did keep it, they kept the action going right it wasn't like there wasn't a lot of time where like everyone's down on the mat selling and one guy comes to life first or whatever like it was it was good and i i think it was i think what i liked most about it was that this was closer to kind of a classic junior heavyweight style yeah. as opposed to i noticed the, that yeah the hiromu show like yeah. main event from a couple of weeks ago, which was like really teetering into main event style for New Japan, main, you know, main event house style. So this was a little bit, I mean, it was a lot closer, even though it was a triple threat. So it's a little unorthodox, but a lot closer to true kind of junior heavyweight um, New Japan stuff. It kind of even remind me of some of the older, like 90s New Japan right. style matches. Right. 
Yeah, I was thinking about that one. There was like a four-way junior title match that opened up Wrestle Kingdom a couple years ago with like Osprey, Hiromu, I think Kushida. And Skrull. Skrull, yeah. <laughs> and so it reminded me of that kind of pacing. And yeah, I really enjoyed this match. Like you mentioned, a lot of great spots. I love the, you know, the, the cradle pod driver on the ramp to kind of take Desperado out. I thought he was going to come back without the mask and kind of be like he was in the Hiromu match and just come out and just kill them with the, the, the face paint on. Uh, but and I mean that was a gotch He used his master's move on him Right um, And so yeah I, I like that kind of storytelling there Kind of playing back to the Hiromu match um, And then once again too We see Desperado kind of outsmarting ELP With the sudden death in the tag title match He was able to use it to knock out Ishimori And then here after ELP He, he hit the sudden death on Bushi When he was going for the MX And then um, Despy was kind of able to capitalize, get out of the way of sudden death, and hit two pinche locos to kind of get the exclamation point pin there and get the win. Yeah, I loved that he didn't leave it up to fate. He took fate into his own hands. And also, I liked that once again, ELP tried to use the one-winged angel after using various other Bullet Club leader moves, and it was his undoing again. So there's a continuity there, too. Yeah. Uh, some questions here. First from our user WRPLA101, like, most probably did. I suspected ELP would take the junior title in the three-way, but the outcome was a nice surprise. Can they use this as a platform to develop something worthwhile in the junior division whilst Hiromu is gone beyond the initial surprise of Despy winning the belt? Thoughts on how they might proceed with him as champion? Is it just a case of him getting a run to eventually drop it to Hiromu? I don't know if it's for him to drop it to Hiromu eventually. I, I think Hiromu still got junior title runs in his future, uh, but that being the case, I mean, they're already... This is them doing fun, new, exciting things to elevate the division. And, you know, once New Japan Cups up, presumably we're moving into Super Junior territory. So this is kind of setting the stage for what's going to come when we get Super Juniors. Right. Yeah. And I think it, it he's already elevated. I mean, he's yes. he, they this whole couple of days this whole weekend was about was about him in regards to the junior division so eventually drop it to aroma maybe that'd be a you know they had a hell of a match in the best of super juniors finals there's a hell of a story to tell there but you know in regards to the best of super juniors like you got to wonder what guys like dragon lee are up to and who they can get in the country like the junior division is not like it's not just like these three guys or anything like there's a lot of guys that the company uh is probably working on getting access to so that they can do um, they can do some pretty hefty storytelling as the you know spring and summer rolls along. By the end of it, maybe we miss Hiromu and we're ready to see him back, but I'm not sure where this belt was going with Hiromu holding it. We said the same thing the right. last few weeks. And it's interesting you mentioned uh, Dragon Lee. I know I saw him tweet yes. out a picture of Desperado and him, and you know there were they were kind of teasing like a mass versus mass match back in the day. And there was definitely some you know. He did a history there between really Despy and Dragon Lee, and Dragon Lee just winning the. Uh, he's he's now one half of the Ring of Honor tag champ, so he's also a double champ uh, in Ring of Honor. So hopefully he can come over for Best of Super Juniors, and we can kind of you know re spark this rivalry between Despy and Dragon Lee. Dom Homie One Hundred and One asked uh, New Japan, "Where does New Japan take this junior division with Despy as champ?" I think we kind of addressed that. Yeah. And then he asked, uh, do you guys think the new world title will lead to more juniors fighting for it? It is a heavyweight belt, so no, I don't think juniors are going to be challenging for that. Yeah. Um, yes, it's the world heavyweight championship. Uh, last question here from EMJ does PR. What do you think of the decision to belt up El Esperado? Were you surprised they didn't go with ELP? Very surprised. Very excited. I can't wait. Yeah. I, I, I'll go ahead, Chris. 
No, I was gonna. I was just gonna say same. I mean, surprised because he was not involved in this whole thing at all. There's there was you know they had to kind of shoehorn him into it, but it made a ton of sense in the end. And he's great. He's the guy right now. I mean, and I don't know if that's just the people, the circles that I run in that people really like him or if that's pretty widespread. But, um, you know, with Suzuki Goon kind of living in the middle of the kind of face heel dynamic, it actually gives you a lot that you can do with with a tweener. Like you can put him in the ring with anyone. Right. And it's going to yes. be you're, you're going to be able to build heat. Right. So even guys like like super baby face style, like Robbie Eagles and, and, yeah. and things of the sort. Right. Like so I think there's a lot they can do with this division. I think people are generally down on the division because they put Hiromu on such a high pedestal. But I mean, they had a good run without Hiromu, good enough run, even though you had guys like, you know, Will Ospreay, like carrying the division and stuff. But someone's got to carry it and someone's got to carry it when Hiromu's not around anyway. Well, yeah. the thing is, it would have been fine, except for the guys they invested into, they did it so they could move them up. So when Hiromu came back, they were sort of depleted. So that's the only real thing there. Yeah. Um, you know, I was initially surprised that ELP didn't win. But once you think about the anniversary show coming right up and what makes sense as a main event in Budokan Hall, ELP versus Ibushi doesn't really quite make as much sense. Uh, I think, you know, Ibushi versus Hiromu in that Budokan Hall would have made sense. And so going with Ibushi and Desperado... I think makes a, a ton more sense there with the with the, his popularity and the way fans have been getting behind him and so elevating him to a top level to face Ibushi makes a ton of sense for that anniversary show. Nice. Uh, so let's move on to the main event, the IWGP Intercontinental Title Match. Kota Ibushi defends and defeats Tetsuya Naito at 27 minutes and 50 seconds. I'd like to start. One thing I love about this match. Very completely different from any match that we've ever seen between these two. We've seen many, many matches. And what I love about it is very often my favorite matches, and I, I, anytime I, I can break a match down on this show without having to take any notes, I can literally just watch the match and recall, like, literally frame for frame what happened. That's a good match, especially when I'm this excited about it. And I can tell you how what the breakdown of this match was. They came out there, they chain wrestled, they tried to grapple. Showcase who was the better, more dominant guy. Once that didn't work, Naito went to work on the leg, and he worked that leg. Maybe it's maybe one of the best leg working sequences I've seen, or limb limb working. Like the last time I saw someone work a limb this effectively was like Abushi and Jay White from the G1 final a couple years ago, which mm. that that reminds me of this in many ways. And he did that for almost the entirety of the match, like. Abushi's just selling and he's just getting his ass kicked and they're just hitting each other but he's getting almost no offense maybe a drop kick here or there and then finally with six minutes left to go he just starts reversing shit and Naito it's almost like Naito punched himself out like in a boxing match like he he just clobbered him clobbered him clobbered him and then um oh and about halfway through the leg work he switched from the leg to the neck to get him ready for the destino so he was going like body body head 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 body and he was going back and forth and trying to get this guy's wheels off and then take his neck out and then suddenly at the end of the match six minutes left abushi just starts hitting everything he hits him with the fucking kamagoi or the uh kinshasa or whatever it's called he hits him with the you know the german from the middle rope he starts he hits him with the all all of his big moves and then you know naito starts hitting him with his big moves uh and then they go to the final Sequence where like he hits him with Destino, it's not enough. Abushi is able to outpower him, hits him with 
three uh, fucking Kamigoyes, one's reversed, the other two, and puts him down in what I thought was like a classic. I went four and a half on this. I really... Say what you will about the story, about the setup, and the logic. We don't need to get into all that because we, d- we discussed it last week, but this match in and of itself, in a vacuum, awesome. I mean, what's not awesome about these guys getting in the ring, right? Like, I can't say it any better than that. That was, um, that was as best as anyone can describe how how great this particular uh, chapter in their in their saga is. What I'll say is they've got uh, at least four more matches in them because they got a they've got a match Tanahashi and Okada as the their their classic rivalry and uh, <laughs> Tanahashi and Okada had I think I think it's fourteen matches so far. So let's give me give me four more and. You know, whatever. Throw them all on this year. I don't care. Keep running it back. I'll watch these guys wrestle all day. It was awesome. And I love that Ibushi won. Another surprise retention of a title, right? Because everyone's like, oh, I guess they're splitting them up. Cool. Nope. (laughs) Holding together. Do something totally wacky afterwards. Yeah, and Josh, you did an excellent job kind of summing up the the highlights of this match. And I (laughs) echo everything you said. It was a great matchup. I also went four and a half on it. There was a lot of, you know, you mentioned there was a lot of, a lot of limb works, but there was also a lot of kind of great uh, head drop spots <laughs> that were used to with these guys. Oh. The, the diamond dust off the top rope. The, vol- uh, the, the Gloria. The Gloria, he dropped him on his head. He, that They fucked up on that one because he, he was hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the the uh, the super German, the sorrow kind of German, uh, stalling German into the ring. So, yeah, a ton of great spots here. Great psychology a great next chapter in the feud. Um, really loved it. Then uh, post-match, we had Desperado coming out to, uh, you know, lay the challenge down for the anniversary show. Traditionally, we do get the junior champion versus the heavyweight champion. So he laid the challenge out for the double titles. And um, we had a question here before we kind of talk about the future of the double titles uh, from Ready User Who Day 42. says, since Naito lost and seems unlikely to win the belt back this year, what would you do with him for the rest of 2021? Who makes sense to feud with him, and how would you go about making a good storyline that doesn't revolve around the belt? Well, you know, traditionally, when I move Naito out of the IWGP picture, I would move him into the intercontinental title rotation. <laughs> but we, we don't have that anymore, so I'm not totally sure. You know, one thing, uh, someone asked who Tanahashi should be wrestling. They had a pretty awesome G1 match last year you know maybe him and tanahashi for the never title maybe maybe there's a tag title situation that you could do with naito naito and shingo maybe uh, maybe or uh, sonata i don't know somebody uh whoever but i mean you know i don't think he's really been in the title picture for you know years and years so honma <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we never got the... Uh, Listen, we didn't get it. I thought that was going to be his first round New Japan Cup match. We didn't get Suji either. Hey, it, it's a slow build. They're, they're building. They're waiting for the right show for the Hanma match, okay? It's destruction. <laughs> we, we didn't get Doki and... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jado. Jado either. Yeah. What the fuck are they right. doing? <laughs> what are we doing? Hey, best, uh, best Super I, Juniors. That. I don't know what to do with Naito. I mean, like, at this point, he's kind of... I mean... I think the Abushi attached to the title story is is played out at this point. They've run it back twice now, um, and he's lost both of them, which is shocking. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'll be interested to see, right? Because he's a he's a big player and he's a big guy. 
they're all fighting for a new title now though something that they've never accomplished so uh curious to see how high that gets elevated i guess away from the rest of the titles right like is is the never gonna live close to that title or is it really that's going to be the pinnacle right how protected is that going to be and is naito involved in in building up that uh that title as as we get that established that that's a good that's a good point um you could potentially still book the never title as the mid card slot and then reserve that semi main event slot without a title but still just have guys like naito and Sonata and whoever you know, kind of rotating it in that you know atmosphere, whatever you, whatever the word is. <laughs> yeah, I think a good kind of next step for him would be maybe um, do like a Lij versus Empire feud. You know, Empire is a new stable. We haven't yeah. really seen a Naito Osprey singles match, and so I think there's some interesting stuff you can do with Lij feuding against Empire. You could run back Cobb and Shingo. You can get Okan mixed up with, with Shingo and Sonata and Naito. So there's some, some interesting story elements you could do with a, you know, LIJ Empire with, you know, Osprey and Naito com- kind of leading that feud there. I think Osprey and Naito is real big, though. They're, they're, they're protecting that. They've, yeah. They haven't that's done it. Big matchup. That's, yeah. That's like Tokyo Dome worthy. Yeah. Or, or like at G1 least final. Dominion. Yeah. G1 final, Dominion, like something real big. Yeah. So let's get into the. Big discussion that we got to keep on the shore side. <laughs> yeah, so speaking of real big, we learned about the future of the double titles, and they are being unified. Uh, New Japan, they announced that they're unifying the IWGP and IWG Intercontinental Championships into a new title. This came from Tokyo Sports, and it quotes NJPW Chairman Sukabayashi, and he states the heavyweight and IC titles will be unified as the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, a new title and that the current double champ, Kota Ibushi, will be recognized as the first IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. Um, I think we have some questions that can kind of help us talk through this so we're not repeating um, anything and having to repeat through the question. So uh, first from, Ram- from Rambo and Slam Pig, how do you guys feel about the end of the title lineage for both of the heavyweight and IC titles? What will, it t- what will it take to make the new belt feel like a worthy successor? Does Okada get a two-plus-year run with a strap to elevate <laughs> to the next level? Um, I think, you know, it might not be a bad idea to run through these questions that we can each give our thoughts honestly. You want to just run through them all? Yeah, let's do that. All right, so the second question, he says, with the IC belt going away, it seems that both the Never and U.S. titles will need to be elevated and significant so that one can occupy the upper mid-card slot. What do you, which do you think it will be? Is Tanahashi as never champ the start of that process? Then uh, Ready User Viking Pain asks, can someone clear this up for me? Is the new world title going to have lineage of the heavyweight title, like how the WWE Undisputed title was a continuation of the WWE title? Or is this belt something completely new? Also, does merging the history of the IC title into the heavyweight title mean that guys like Goto, Suzuki, Elgin, and MVP are considered former heavyweight champions? Or, or if the new belt is completely new title with a new lineage, then how does this retiring the two belts honoring the legacy of Nakamura and Hashimoto? <laughs> the two guys that Bushi wants to honor the most with the unification. Uh, Dom Homie 101 asks, is it me or am I the only one that is indifferent with retirement of the IWGBIC title? I know people seem angry about the end of the IWGBIC title, but I feel like the title seems like it doesn't have a place in the company anymore when you have two top stars and Tanahashi as a never champ and Moxley as a U.S. champ. What if this whole retirement of the IWGB heavyweight title is just a storyline for Ibushi, and we may see the return of the title after Ibushi drops the title 
And then Muzza asked, with the now soon-to-be-established IWGP World Heavyweight title having its own lineage, who is to blame for the ending of the IWGP Heavyweight title lineage? Either way, I blame evil. That's that's good. I blame evil, too. (laughs) So that gives us a lot to kind of unpack there that we can each discuss. Um, Who wants to go first? Well, Chris is a guest. Let's let let him go first. I don't have a ton of deep, seated feelings about this whole thing right Ooh. so <laughs> yeah i know I'm, I'm not a takes guy i'm sorry but here's what i'll say i love history i love the path of the title right so like and it gives me a lot to do with the work that i do with with new japan for that matter like it, it gives me an avenue right to make things a little more interesting but i mean when it comes down to it the iwgp world heavyweight title is still the iwgp world heavyweight title like right. it's the big title so it's not like we're removing the stakes of of why people fight in new japan right like this this the pinnacle of the of the industry the pinnacle of um new japan right now still still exists to be honest like it's, it's going to be hard to separate and detach the lineage of the iwgp heavyweight championship from this IWGP world heavyweight title, like they can start the lineage wherever they want. But like, if you're going to look back at the history of the top title in new Japan pro wrestling, you're going to use the IWGP heavyweight title that goes back to, you know, the late eighties. Um, and you're going to see the lineage of who the top wrestler in new Japan was for that time period. Right. So, I get it. You know, people are going to be upset. People don't like change. Right. And, and, and I understand that. And there is a part of me that's like, well, why not just attach the, the, at least the heavyweight lineage to this new belt. Um, And to be perfectly honest, like, I guess maybe the intercontinental, because like clearly in new Japan, they've seen, and, and for a very long time, the intercontinental was, kind of title one B right. I mean, right. headlined, headlined to Tokyo dome, like um, right. <laughs> over, over the heavyweight championship, like people are really attached to that, to that title. It's had great um, meaning and great, um, you know, story purpose. And it's been, it's elevated to, to a very high level for what is, I guess also kind of seen as the secondary belt, but I never, I didn't see it as a secondary belt. I did see it as as one B for a very long time, and it had kind of reduced in its um, lore by being attached to the heavyweight championship. So, and I don't know. I didn't know how they were going to separate it. I thought this avenue with Naito was a, a fine way to do it if they wanted to do it. But I'm not super opposed to unification. I don't. I forget who asked the question, but um, I don't want to say I'm indifferent because I think the title has such a big place in the growth of New Japan. This huge growth phase that they've had since 2011, 2012. Um, and, you know, you can kind of look at that and I think long term you're going to look at that era as the intercontinental title era. And now that's gone and we're we are moving into a new a new era signified by not only just a new physical belt, but a new lineage of the title. And, you know, they're going to have to work to to build the um you know, like I like I question, like how far away from the other titles is this going to be? Like how 
protected is the booking and the and the opportunities towards this title going to going going to be and and what i think is really interesting is that really like the big four new japan guys from really this era they all kind of have a thing right okada's the longest reign um the longest reign in the most reigning days tanahashi has the most reigns Tetsuya Naito was the first double champion, and now Ibushi's the first world uh, heavyweight champion. So they all kind of get something to hang their hat on, and honestly, it gives those other three guys something new to do. Because like Okada winning the title was again was going to be like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we're doing, right. and that's not exciting. But now, like they, it, I hope it re-energizes some of these top guys, and I hope they potentially treat it a little bit differently. Where maybe you don't have to be so elevated to get an opportunity, even if you don't win your first opportunity. Well, um, I, I'm glad you're on the show, Chris, because some of those points that you bring up are very valid and they're kind of the other side of the coin. And it actually helps bring a little bit of perspective. You said you're not the take guy, but those are some pretty good takes. Um, that being said, there are some problems I have with this. So, um, one thing that you mentioned, and I, I, I do want to kind of dispute a little bit. You mentioned that when people look back, they're going to look back at the old lineages and they're always going to, you know, connect, you know, the various titles. And they may because, you know, the IWGP title has been so revered for so many years and they almost share the same name. But in actuality, a lot of people don't know this. There have been at least eight different world titles in New Japan, probably three or four that are actually prominently known most people don't look at those lineages. No one knows who the NWF title was, champion was other than like Inoki. No one knows who the real world champion was, you know, Carl Gotch's belt. Like they don't really pay attention to that stuff. It's it's kind of like what's the what's the main belt? I guess my problem with why would you do this is like you you brought up a great point. Yes, by merging these two titles for the past year, it did kind of slightly diminish the the IC title. But then why do it in the first place if you had a 1A and a 1B belt? What is the point? I mean, aside from the the whole history aspect of it and, and you know, the lore, if you will, <laughs> um, that we all as wrestling fans appreciate, what is the actual purpose of, of the titles? It's, it's trophies that draw, that add prestige and stakes and, you know, generate business. And they generated a lot of fucking business with these two belts. How do we know they're going to continue to draw as much business with the one belt and not the two? You know what I mean? Um, there, There is an argument that they had too many belts. If you were going to get rid of a belt, this wasn't the belt to get rid of. Not the one that had this much investment and this much marketability. It literally could have been the Never or the U.S., but not the white belt. That doesn't fucking make sense. You've headlined Tokyo Domes with this shit. Um, and the, the thing I'm not a big fan of is getting rid of the lineages. And uh, specifically the IWGPs is because, you know, we had a parade of champions video. What's it going to be now? Is it just going to be a bushy like, <laughs> you know, flipping off of buildings and like setting fireworks <laughs> off on himself and shit? Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't make it doesn't fucking make sense. Please, somebody make edit a video of like the, the Abushi version of the champion roll call. Um, when it comes to like the, the the last time that a title was as respected or revered in in wrestling, probably over probably since ninety one, the the two most revered were the WWF title and this title. Prior to that, it was the NWA title, and when Ric Flair left 
WCW in 1991, and he left with both the WCW and the NWA title. That NWA title never fucking recovered. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen here. In fact, I'm very optimistic about some of the things you said there, Chris. I hope that based on the fact that this is still, you know, it's still New Japan. They still have, you know, they have stories to tell. It does open up new stakes for people and things like that. That's really great. But I hope that they are able to continue to draw allure and respect from the traditional Japanese audience who who's looking at, I mean, there there was a video online that showcased that they're going to be merging these titles. And it had like, I don't know, two, and it was the Japanese video. It had like two or 3,000 um, downvotes. And I mean, that is a small sample size. It's not the whole fandom, but I mean, those are probably the diehards who are, you know, watching the video on YouTube and they're like, what the fuck? <laughs> so I, I, I know that there's a lot of people in the States that are, you know, kind of down on this and I'm sure there probably is over there. And I hope this doesn't ruin the legacy that's been established by the IWGP title. I don't really realistically think in kayfabe this honors um, the lineage, you know, like I mentioned it last week when they did the, the PWF and, you know, the, the United national and the international titles, those had all three kind of been played out at that point, And you didn't know what, what the world title was, you know? So when they did merge them, it actually was the some greater of themselves because neither, not any single one of them was really the world title. That's not what we have here. We had the actual world title in Japan and now they ele- and now they they've unified it and gotten rid of the legacy and it, it, it I don't know that it's as alluring without that you know legacy behind it maybe maybe if they put on you know good enough stories and good enough matches and they book it properly people will come around to see it uh you know the same and they'll see it as the spiritual you know um successor but I don't know there's a part of me that's like the traditionalist I, I'm not, I, I hate this. <laughs> it makes me sad. It really, really makes me sad. Yeah, both of you guys make um, a lot of great points, and I'll just throw in my two cents here really quickly. Um, I have no problem with title unifications, um, and I know the IC title does have like, a great history in the company and does help, did help elevate a lot of people. Um, but with the situation, I don't mind that they decide to, to just go ahead and unify both titles. It's clear that they didn't have a, a, a different plan of them being defended separately or splitting them up. So I have no problem with the unification. I do have a problem, like Josh, with the lineages uh, disappearing. Uh, I know technically, I guess it is quote unquote the same title. It's still the top title. Uh, but I just think like you just kind of it's kind of cool to have that. You know, you look at that title and see the history that it dates back to and. The, the names and just a great match associated with the IWGP heavyweight title. Um, but I mean, it's still going to be the main belt. There's still, like you mentioned, Chris, there's still new stories. There's new stories to tell now with this title. Um, and as far as, you know, continuing it to make it, you know, feel worthy as a successor to the IWGP title, I think we need some great title defenses like we saw with the IWGP title. It's going to be on Kota Ibushi. To, to have some bangers with this heavyweight title, um, the stories they tell. Obviously, you know, Okada is the ace of the company. He's been without the title for a while now. I do think he'll he'll get it back, and they will make a big deal once Okada does win the World Heavyweight title. I think he'll have a nice little run. He'll have some classic matches. So I think it's just, they, they just got to book it the same way they booked the IWGP that they've been doing. You know, great matches, great stories, 
um, on the biggest stage. I, I think they still have they have the roster and the talent to to make this title feel important. Uh, with the IC title gone, it does open up the doors for the the never and U.S. titles to to be elevated. I think in a a post you know COVID world when traveling is allowed, I think we will see you know a John Moxley over there more. And Mox can be a guy that's facing, you know, guys like Naito, for example, for the U.S. title, that never title, Tanahashi. He got some big matches. So I think we're getting to a point now. You know, we've already seen, like, the never title main event, you know, some big shows. I think we're getting to a point now where these the never and U.S. titles can be elevated to kind of be those 1B titles and, and headline and main event um, some bigger shows. So, yeah, I mean... It's going to be interesting to see, to see what happens with, with the titles and how everything's handled going forward. As crazy as it sounds, this is like the subject where I could spend all night. We could have done a whole podcast on me just talking about this, but yeah. we'll just go in circles. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I hope that a lot of the things that you said here, Chris, pan out that way, and I'm wrong. I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm right just because I, that's... Um, what I hope for, right? Like right. I hope that the the top title still remains um, literally the top title in the industry, right? Yeah. I mean, like it is, it's it's that title that like unless you've held that IWGP Heavyweight Championship right now, like you hadn't achieved everything that you could possibly achieve, especially since we've seen the um, uh, well the the WWE titles just like fall to, to pieces and be completely meaningless. Right. So, um, you know, and, and WCW has gone and, you know, I guess you still got NWA like 10 pounds of gold, like that still has some allure, but it doesn't have quite the platform. Right. So this is the title, right. And it's, so this is a big deal and in, just in the industry too. So I'm hopeful. Um, I'm confident. You know, and and I I am a proponent of fewer titles in general. So nice. if this is a way to make them all feel a little more special, like I'm I'm here for it. I you know, and like I said, like I think the lineage is going to live, whether or not it's like officially recognized or not. This title was a big deal in the industry for 34, 35 years. You know, not quite the same as um, you know the NWF title was around for quite a while, but. Um, it had kind of reduced its its right. stature for a little while there, or for quite a while before it got merged. So, um, you know, again, we I could go on and on. But well, one um, thing that's good that we've seen recently, AW title, highly respected, big prize because of what it represents. It's the pinnacle of that company, and it's only been around for a short period of time. Um, this isn't quite the same scenario, but I mean, that's one optimistic take. You know, we've seen how a title can be established in a very short period of time with Good matches, good booking, good characters. So hopefully we get more of that here. Right. I mean, like you mentioned, Josh, we're, we're only seeing samplings of fans' opinions, the vocal fan base online. We don't know what the whole fan base thinks. I mean, there could be a portion of the fans that see this as super prestigious. You know, you have these two titles that have become one and unified in this new, bigger prize. Blah. And some, <laughs> in some people's eyes, it might be seen as a bigger deal to be you know, hold this world heavyweight title. So. Oh. One last thing, I'm gonna hate the design. I can just tell you right now, it's gonna, <laughs> yeah. whatever the design is, I'm not gonna like it. I'm the kind of person, it takes me a while to really come around on new designs. And I loved that IWGP design. I'm I'm probably not gonna like this new title that they designed, whatever it is. What if it's the same design and just added world? No, they said it's gonna be an entirely, <laughs> if, it's gonna be a whole new belt. It's gonna be something different, so. Yeah. 
version five. Yeah, I I agree with. I'm not like a belt guy, but this. I mean, it's such a good belt, right? Like, it's a good looking belt. I've got a pin of it on my backpack that I carry around. Like, I'm you know I'm a dork for <laughs> this particular belt. You know, I'm not a belt mutant in general, but <laughs> man, it's a good looking good looking title. I you know and the last singles title that they had produced is a little oversized so maybe they're gonna put it make (laughs) the right size maybe because the u.s title is um huge yeah yeah well let's get into anniversary yeah so the last two big things we gotta talk about here the 49th anniversary and the new japan cup they kind of blend together here uh, we do have two New Japan Cup first round matches on 49th anniversary. So the, the full card here is going to open up. We have Master Wato, Gabriel Kidd, Tomioka Hanuma, and Hiroki Goto versus Taichi, Nozuki, Zack Sabre, Joe, Zack Sabre Jr., and Doki. Then we'll have Tanahashi, Juice, Finley, Tohanare, and Taguchi versus Evil, Kenta, Chase Owen, Jay White, and Ishii. Two New Japan Cup first round matches. We'll have Satoshi Kojima versus Jeff Cobb, Tetsuya Naito versus the great Okan, and then the main event, Kota Ibushi versus El Sorado, which is now for uh, the double titles. Three very, very interesting um, matches at the top of this card. Um, I'm not going to really rag them for having so many multi mans just because it's COVID. I understand what's going on. Um, but, you know, we, we have the show literally in two days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Kota Bushi, Desperado, I mean, you know, there's the whole story there. They did a great job on commentary talking about, you know, when Despy returned from excursion, first time he challenged for a title, almost, you know, set literally like to the day seven years ago was against Kota Bushi for the junior title. Now we're at a point where tables are turned. Despy's the junior champion. Abushi's the world heavyweight champion. And Desperado's getting his first shot at the world title as a junior, which is extremely rare, especially on these uh, anniversary shows. So um, I think it's a foregone conclusion, but I'm excited for the match regardless. Um, I was concerned that Ibushi said he wanted the junior title. <laughs> and I was like, this man will fucking stop until all the titles I like are gone. I saw We're going to get a montage of Ibushi cutting weight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I saw somebody that uh, like a Abushi picture with the Thanos glove with like all the titles like, as the <laughs> Infinity Stones. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh man, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to this anniversary show main event. I think it's going to be a great match. And last time they faced off, you know, Desperado was coming back from Excursion, and they faced off for the Junior Heavyweight Title. Um, so first time since then that they're having a singles match. So should be really, really good uh, main event here. Looking forward to that. And then just so unique that they're choosing to tack on a couple uh, New Japan Cup matches on this show. Yeah, you know, normally New oh. Japan Cup kind of has its own kind of thing, but they're starting off here at the anniversary show. And we talked about this before we started recording. They've really stretched out the schedule here for New Japan Cup. So, yeah, it's starting on Thursday, and it's going to stretch all the way out to March 21st for the finals. Uh, for most shows, we're getting like two to three matches per uh, New Japan Cup show. So let's, let's talk about it. Let's look at the bracket. And remember, you can enter in our contest, sportprowrestling.com slash kiss, sportprowrestling.com slash K-I-S-S to enter into our New Japan Cup pick em. But let's take a look at this this bracket here, guys, and just overall overall thoughts, guys, on, on the bracket this year. It's better than last year's. Um, is it better than last year's that we got or last year's that we were initially promised? Because I don't know if it's better than that first bracket. 
No, the one we got. The first bracket was had really big matches right. in the, in round one, right? This one does too, right? Yes. I mean, I think there's a few, but that first one had like shocking um yes uh first round matches so but yeah, neither here nor there i'm excited about the tournament i love a good knockout tournament as almost as much as i love a good round robin right so um so you, you know you, as you just you, like you, tournaments <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> that what you said what i don't like is double elimination tournaments oh me either yeah, people right don't there. understand them. I can't, you know, I can never explain them to people. It's harder to make an Excel bracket for them. It's a pain in the ass. Um, I don't like single blocks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I could I be with you there. Yeah. I could be with you there. Yeah. I love a good, I love a good two block round robin. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. We're getting real nuanced here. You know, when I look at, you know, a 32 person bracket, like I just start to look at the quadrants and what's interesting in, in each of the quads, right? So, right. um, what's the bracket buster right if you're filling out your bracket what's the match that's gonna screw everyone up or that you know the picks are gonna kind of go 50 50 right and you know obviously if you've looked at this bracket there's one on the left hand side that is uh gonna murder some brackets with okada versus shingo that's exactly where my eyes went as soon as you said that yeah that's definitely the most intriguing first round matchup on on that left side looks like and yeah that's a that's an upset Right there, either or, because I mean, I think the winner of that has a very good chance of going to the finals. Um, and so, obviously, you have Okada with this whole story of wanting to get back to the IWGP title, get back into the main events. And so, there's a, a clear story there for him to go to the finals. But Shingo is a guy, he no longer has a never title. People have been clamoring for him to be elevated and to be in more main events. He's a guy that could easily upset Okada and get to the finals. I mean, the last time they faced was G1, where Okada got the win. Passing out Shingo with the money clip, so this could be Shingo's chance to get some revenge and get the get the win back here. This is the tournament that I never am able to predict properly, even though I know the tropes, even though I know the bracket busters, even though you know I know that it's ne- if you just went by the hierarchy and you just booked based off hierarchy, you would not end up with an accurate you know um, prediction because there's going to be upsets. That's the nature of what the New Japan Cup is, and it's just. It's a matter of picking the right ones and, and you know, not picking the wrong ones. And uh, when I look at that side of the bracket on the left side, there's two big names that stand out. It's the Naito Okan match and then the, the aforementioned Okada and Shingo match. And those are the two that seem to be primed to me for being bracket busters, one or the other, maybe even both. But, you know, because it's like those are your big names, Naito and, and Okada, but they're going up against plausible opponents in the first round that could hypothetically defeat him and we almost always see someone get knocked out that's a big name in the first round most of the time right and i don't think you're gonna see both naito and okada get through i think one of those but if okada wins naito's losing if if naito wins okada's losing i don't think both of them are gonna get through yeah i think i think i think okan probably beats naito if I had to honestly, I could see them both knocking out. I could see but, both knocking out. Yeah. yeah, I I do. I think that that's honestly going to end up being my like my official like my bracket <laughs> that I pay attention to. Like not my like I'm gambling bracket, but like my real here's what I think is going to happen. Like I think I knock them both out. I mean the the bracket I've got filled out right now, I knock them both out. And I I, I think about a guy like Shingo. Shingo went one and done in the New Japan Cup last year. He lost a show in the first round. So, 
not that New Japan Cup like history is, is quite as like renowned as something like the G1, but right. like I don't know, if he went one and done last year, you figure he's probably gonna get a run. Oftentimes when a guy loses the never championship, they you know, they lose up. Right? So and he hasn't done anything since losing the never championship he lost to hiroshi tanahashi which like doesn't hurt him at all in a banger of a match right he's I, this shingo's never gonna win a g1 he could win new japan cup this yeah. is one of those this is the tournament that like pretty much anyone can win and listen i hear everything you guys are saying it makes sense it's plausible but it's kazushika motherfucking Okada. <laughs> it's a tough it's a tough call. Um I think I called Gato beating Okada in the first round in last year's. <laughs> I, I wanted the super ultra, you know, upset. Upset. Um one thing I I could see either one of these two scenarios playing out. One thing though is I'm telling you right now, I'm not I'm not calling for any more Okan upsets until he actually does one. Because I, I think twice now I've thought he was going to beat Tanahashi and it didn't happen, and so I'm not I'm not putting any more stock in him. I'm I'm uh I'm selling, <laughs> and uh, maybe maybe if uh, things turn around I'll change my tune. But uh, I I don't know what happens with him and Naito. So you really want another Naito evil match, huh? Oh God, <laughs> that I mean if Naito wins. He probably goes through. He goes through either Yano and and Bad Luck Folly, and then you know, really, Evil's probably going to match up with Jeff Cobb. Um, Which that Evil has, that match actually sounds pretty appealing to me. Totally, Evil and Cobb. But Evil Evil hasn't gotten a win. He's got this wacky buy. You know, you can you can play it up that he's got. He's fresh. He's coming in fresh, um, and you know he could he could beat Cobb, and then you end up with Evil Naito in the quarterfinals. Yeah. So but here's the thing. run it back again, I guess. I don't think Okan's gonna be evil. I don't think he's at that level to be evil. So it's like which which evil scenario do I want? Do I want the one where Naito can be evil and I have to sit through another one of those fucking <laughs> things, but Naito actually gets through? Or do I want the one where I have to watch the fresh matchup and him and Okan? And that as much as I like Okan, a gimmicky evil Okan match kind of doesn't sound that good to me and then i gotta see evil go into you know the semi-final uh against you know either shingo or, or okada none of those sound good to me that sounds shitty like oh god i fucking hate evil <laughs> I, hate I want i want naito to win <laughs> you're a, no but then you're a big jeff cobb fan right because he's probably going to get through kojima and then you want Cobb to just knock Evil out, and you don't have to mess around with it. I'm gonna be going so hard for Jeff Cobb <laughs> on 311. You have no idea. Oh man! Uh, and so yeah, something we should mention. Yeah, so Evil and Tanahashi got first round buys. Evil got a first round buy because he won last year's New Japan Cup. Tanahashi gets a first round buy because he's the only singles champion in the tournament. Um, so looking at the, the right side of the bracket as far as a potential bracket buster, I'm looking at March 9th, Tomohiro Ishii versus Sonata. Uh, I think those it's are tough two, one. Those are two guys yeah. that had they been matched up against anybody else, you could see them getting through into the next round. Obviously, previous years, the whole story of the New Japan Cup has been the elevation of Sonata. Every year, he made it closer and closer into each round until he eventually finally won the tournament to face Okada. 
personally, I feel that story it's done. We don't we don't need any more Sonata's you know run in the New Japan Cups. Um, so that that could lend to um, Ishii getting a big win there, which would make sense because then obviously Nagata's probably going to beat Suji, and then you get a, a banger of Nagata and Ishii on on the fourteenth. One other thing um, in that upper right quadrant there, uh, you got Will go. Will's probably beating Tenzan most likely, and then you got Zach beating uh, Gabriel Kidd. That means we're getting on probably most likely on three fourteen. Will Osprey against Zach Saber Jr., which is like great uh, matchup. I yeah. Happy birthday, me! Yeah, I cannot fucking wait. Um, but that could potentially. I, I think most people will likely, uh, you know, have Will going through, and that's probably what's going to happen. But. You just never know. Zack Sabre's won one of these tournaments before. He does well in these tournaments. He's kind of beat Will in most of their singles matches to date. Um, Will's never beat him in a singles match in New Japan, uh, so that would be the first time he's ever done that. There is a chance Zack could possibly knock out Will, depending on what they wanted these brackets to look like by the end of it all. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that rematch. So you know how when you asked who... Should Hiroshi Tanahashi defend the Never Openweight Championship against earlier? And I jumped straight to Jay White. Check out that bomb right. Yeah, that's that's definitely happening. You know, Tohanari Jay White is a pretty intriguing first round match, and it's gonna main event too. Mm. That's mm-hmm. uh that's gonna be a really great opportunity for Hanare. But yeah, I think uh Jay and Tanahashi, that's another one of those, you know, pick'ems. Mm-hmm. I think I think most people are going to go with Jay in that one, right? Yeah, I have Jay going through on my bracket. I've got Jay to the final four. But then you very often in these New Japan Cups, you get one set of four guys that you're just kind of like, I don't know what the fuck to do with these guys. And you know it's funny, last year's winner Evil was one of was in one of those brackets where he was in that quadrant where you're like, what the fuck is this? None of yeah. these guys are winning. And right. Then, lo and behold, Evil won. But that's what kind of what we got with Chase, Dave Finley, Yoshihashi, and Yujiro. And, you know, one of those guys is going to fight either Hanare, Jay White, or Tanahashi. I think, uh, Jeremy, you got Dave Finley and Jay White slotted for a, you know, quarterfinal, right? Yeah, you know, there's definitely a ton of history with Finley and Jay White as young Lions and their rivalry since they both graduated. Has We've seen that kind of continue. They've kind of, kind of been on pause for a while here. And so I think it's a great time to kind of rekindle that view. They had some great matches together. So I think it makes a ton of sense to do that Finley J White match there. Yeah, that's a good story. I like that. One thing like um, that. with this aspect, you can kind of fuck around with these guys with Dave Finley, Chase Owens, Yoshiashi, and Yujiro, and it's probably going to be inconsequential because none of them are going to go through. But this is one of those things that will bust people's brackets because it's kind of hard to pick between. <laughs> you know, if you're in one of those contests, it's kind of hard to pick, and. I think a lot of people are probably going to go Finley on top and Yoshihashi on top, but then you got a face versus face match, which they may do. But I'm banking on the idea that they're going to have a heel face dynamic going into the next round. So I'm guessing either Dave Finley or Yoshihashi are going to get upset. I'm leaning towards Yujiro beating Yoshihashi. Sure. Why not? Could happen. So, I mean, Yoshihashi was great in the G1, but he didn't get a lot of wins, right? So if you're looking at the booking, you know, Yoshihashi um, singles, he's not 
like primed to go on a run by any means. So he could get knocked out. Right. He could get knocked out. Yeah. Or you could go the yeah. opposite way. You could go Yujiro or uh, you could go Yoshihashi and Chase Owens. That's always a option here. So this is kind of one of those ones that seems inconsequential, but if you're trying to have the most accurate bracket, it's going to be hard to kind of call that, that part of it. Yeah. I also feel like the, the bottom left is one another one of those sections where there's some, some people there that you, you don't think are going to go through. But again, if you want the accurate bracket, it's kind of hard to predict. I mean, so obviously you got Suzuki Hanma there. So I think that's clear that Suzuki's going to get the, you know, beat Hanma. And you got he juice. Better. You got juice. Hanma's never won a New Japan Cup match. So, <laughs> I mean, Hanma Mania, let's do it again. Like, we got to build it up real quick, but he's 0 8. <laughs> then you got juice and Kenta. That's which, a tough which one. Very, yeah. A tough one. You know, that was supposed to happen at Wrestle Kingdom, but then juice got the, the orbital bone injury. Kenta's coming. That's a good story. Yeah, Kenta's coming off the the Mox loss. He's he's gonna want a you know big win and rebound. So it, this is a toss up here. This is another pick 'em. I think either guy could win here. I mean, so I know I know what I want. Yeah, I want I, I want Kenta to win because I want Kenta Suzuki. Yes, that's exactly um, what I was gonna for say. the first time in ages. I mean, I know that they've they've done it. Chris Charlton tweeted it earlier today. I mean, it's been a long time since those two met. Um, but I, I want that. I want that bad. Yeah, I, on my bracket, I, I got Juice Suzuki going. I just feel like kind of like taking Josh's logic. Some matches you need that kind of face heel dynamic, and plus, you know, Juice missed out on the the Wrestle Kingdom match, so I think you, you give him some momentum there to beat uh, Kenta, and then you do Juice and Suzuki. That's Juice true. Stop getting punched in the face and missing <laughs> missing cards. It's true, but there is that you know precedent there that like Suzuki could either be the top heel or the top face in any given match, depending on how he wants to work it. Mm. So it really just depends, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a, there's some interesting scenarios here. Um, I mean, what other aspects of this thing? You, we got some questions. What, what, what else do you guys want to talk about when it comes I mean, to like, how this plays? I out? guess what's the final, what's your final four? If either of you have kind of pulled it together. So my final four. So on the right side, I have Osprey J white. Then on the left side, I came down to Okada Evil. Oh God! Again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, so I'm so mad at you. Okada You're making me recognize that that's that could happen. So uh, Okada got the win back at Castle Attack, but he needs a New Japan Cup win back. So I, I think Okada's going to beat Evil, and then I think that Osprey's going to beat Jay White. I got Okada Osprey. Final, you run back oh, the Wrestle Kingdom match, and then you have Osprey get the win, get the win back, and Osprey's your New Japan Cup winner, first challenger for the World Heavyweight Title for Koto Ibushi. You got a, a banger set up for your your first World Heavyweight Title match for Secure Genesis. Mm-hmm. You know, some yeah. some, some Joker is going to have evil Jay White in their finals. <laughs> it's going to happen. Oh, people, it, that's that's a conversation point for sure. I'm seeing that. <laughs> I, I, I love battle. Yeah. Um, man, this, this one is really... I, I'm not good at this, and I, I like to do things I'm good at, and I hate when I'm not <laughs> good at it. <laughs> um, and I... Realistically, I'd barely looked at this thing off the air because I mean I, I I literally just caught up on Castle Tech right before we went on there. So <laughs> um, I think uh, in my top left quadrant, just looking at it, I'm probably either going Naito or Evil. Let's just say Naito. I'm going Shingo Naito as my semifinal. 
And then on the other side, I'm going Will Ospreay against Jay White. I think that sounds sounds about right to me. And then I think Dave Meltzer bracket. <laughs> that's his. That's his final. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. I I I didn't listen to him today. Or when did, when did he say that? Maybe I. Did. Uh, he did a show with. He's on the same show I was on with Garrett. He he did a an interview later where they picked out their brackets. Mm, well. He's a smart man, so am I. <laughs> Who would you have win though? Uh, this is well, I, I believe those are my three. The three of the guys that are in it are the three most likely winners, in my opinion. Which is to a lesser degree Jay, but I think it's going to come down to either Will or Shingo. I actually wouldn't be opposed to getting another Will Shingo match in the final of the New Japan Cup. Mm. Uh, I don't know that they're going to do that, but the way I booked it out, they absolutely could. So let's go ahead and be a little, you know, fan friendly <laughs> here. Let's get some shit popping. We're going Shingo Will Osprey, And um, at that point, you could toss it up. I don't really care who wins. I'll, let's just say Will because I think Will makes a lot of sense. That's what I've got as my final for my draft. I won't call this my official bracket. Mm. Um, but, yeah, as I drafted through it, I liked that as, a, as the final. I like that. Both of those guys, Shingo's got like a really short term uh, story with Ibushi. Ibushi kind of taunted him with double belts. Who knows what uh, this new championship, what the the protection of it is, right? We very infrequently saw a guy like Shingo Takagi win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Someone who really made their name somewhere else came in pretty established. Um Three guys. Right. Very, very few, right? So Tenryu, maybe, Takayama, and Ibushi. Yeah, right. That's it. Right. Yeah. So maybe this is a new leaf, right? Possibly. Like new new title, different look at it, different protections, different um logic, right? So maybe Shingo is uh the first guy to to you know win it. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if Ibushi's going to lose his first defense if they want to establish this as a top tier title either. But um, I mean, ultimately, in my my draft bracket here, I do have Osprey winning though. But yeah, I do have Shingo Osprey as the final, mostly because um, I'm a brat and that's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, that would be a great final. Uh, let's run through some of these questions that we have here on New Japan Cup. Uh, first from our user, why did you do that, bro? It seems that either Naito or Okada is getting knocked out early in New Japan Cup because they are both on the same side of the bracket, which is more likely Shingo beating Okada or Okan beating Naito. I think Shingo beating Okada is the more likely scenario. It doesn't mean it's going to happen that way, but uh, I find that to be more likely personally than Okada, than Okan beating Naito. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, next question from our user N- NJMPW1234. So far this year, Great Okan has been featured very prominently, having two high-profile matches with Tanahashi. Is there a risk of him outshining Osprey if he manages to knock off Naito in the New Japan Cup? I don't know, uh, especially, I mean, if if it's booked out the way that a lot of people have it, that, that Osprey wins it, I don't see how he could, quote-unquote, outshine him. Um, I think a lot of people, because he is the one that's doing the most character work and cutting all the, the awesome promos that he's doing, they're kind of getting this sort of vibe that he's the real leader of the group. And 
I think most of that's just wishful thinking, to be honest with you. I think it's just a, 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 a basically a role that he's the mouthpiece, and mainly because it's Japanese audiences, and they've got a Japanese speaker who's a great promo, and they're trying to get him over. But I, I don't see him in any way as outshining Osprey, or I, I just think he's a guy that they featured in a feud recently, and this is a pretty infantile, you know, s- stable, and I don't see how he could possibly outshine Osprey coming off of two back-to-back major losses, and then probably, hypothetically, I don't know if the Naito win would completely undo the losses to Tanahashi that quickly. I don't I don't see that. I think, I mean, I'm betting on this tournament being the tournament that kind of reestablishes Osprey as the top, top guy um, in, this, in the singles division for New Japan. So I think even if Okan makes it to the final four elite eight whatever like even if he he snags this big win over naito which would be his moment i don't think he's gonna have a moment where he goes much further than than that right in a meaningful way right like even if he burns through two more matches they're they're not against top tier opponents like that evil's gonna I think, him. you know osprey's got you know the tenzon match and then he probably goes through zack saber jr and then he probably gets either i guess ishii or sonata right so he's got right. big big high you know high stakes um matches as as they go through the tournament if he's gonna you know go through the end and and then in the final four he's probably looking at jay white um unless there's a really big surprise out of that side of the bracket i guess white or tanahashi but either way that's a big match so if if osprey's going through this is a big establisher for him yeah if and also if you look at those names ZSJ, Sonata, two of the most prolific New Japan Cup uh, competitors in the last couple years, that really adds a lot of credibility if those happen to be the two guys he beats specifically. Right. And, you know, at at the end of the day, I know people might not like him, but Will Ospreay is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I I love Great Okan, but he's just not on Ospreay's level in ring yet. And so I don't think there's a way for him in ring-wise to outshine Ospreay. Ospreay... He has a great side of the bracket there. He's going to have some great matches. So I don't think there's a chance for him to get outshined by Ocon. Peace on 91 asked us, what do you guys think about Evil and Tanahashi both getting a bye in the first round of the New Japan Cup? Surely they could have thrown some juniors in the tournament like Despy and or Show to take the number of participants up to 32. Yeah, kind of interesting that, you know, there's some guys, like you mentioned, Tamatonga Tangaloa that they could have thrown in there. Maybe uh, uh, they could. There's some juniors that could have thrown in there, uh, but I, I do like the idea of the winner of the New Japan Cup. Kind of a, a reward you get. You get that buy, and I like the fact you know Tanahashi is the only singles champion in the tournament, giving him a buy. So I, I like the reasoning that those guys got buys, um, and also you know you, if we think the schedule is normal, Best of Super Juniors is coming up, so you want to get those juniors some rests uh, before that tournament comes up after secure Genesis. Uh, so maybe that's the reason why the juniors are not in it. I mean, I like that they attached logic to it. Like they made right. something out of it, right? There's not a precedent for any of these things. Precise, precisely. Yeah. So it's weird. Um, and they filled this tournament with freaking Jado and Gato. And I mean, there's guys that they could have plugged. There's probably heavyweights that they could, they could have plugged in. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but like, I feel like there's someone floating around that could have hopped in there. You and Mora but... in this tournament, right? Right. What's up? You're Mora. Sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, or yeah, exactly. A young lion. I don't know. I think they're trying to bill him as a junior. Right, because Gabe Kidd and Suji are in this. I guess that's right. true, yeah. So I yeah, I'm thinking weird. they used all the heavyweights that they have available to them at this current time. That's what I think. I don't think there's anyone left personally based off of looking at the roster and everything like that. They've got everybody in there. Except um, G.O.D. Except for G.O.D., which Where is interesting. Where are they going? Where is the end? Yeah, and I, I'm with you, Chris. I like the logic, but, you know, they've never done this before, and guess what? They're not going to do it again, so there, there won't be consistency with it. So I don't but there's not with this tournament and buys anyway, if you look back in time. Like, there's goofy play in matches and there's all sorts of stuff so never never uh, mind all that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, next question here from dun diesel 86 i feel like this weekend was full of surprises i figured we'd have new champs for the u.s ic never title and i was short elp was going over not to say i'm disappointed in fact i love when a promotion can throw me for a loop that being said what kind of surprises do you think we'll get at the anniversary show and new japan cup well, I, I think the Nutriment Cup is always full of surprises, and, you know, we've kind of stated that. I think some of these bracket busters are, you know, going to be pretty surprising. Um, God, I'm trying to think. I mean, I, I think we've kind of covered a lot of it extensively. I'm gonna, is there anything that you guys are banking on that, you know, people wouldn't expect as, like, a kind of an upset? Not the ones I mean, we've talked about, but just, like, ones that you're, like, you know... That. There's going to be surprising stuff that happens. I mean, Yano could roll up Okan and you know in the in the quarters or whatever. Like it, that would these type of things can happen, crazy. right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, so one, one thing we didn't really address is the Young Lions, Suji and Gabe Kidd. I mean, we were, we're kind of assuming they're going to get beat by Osprey in Nagata, but a guy like Suji's been in the system for a while now. It could be time for him to graduate. What if this He's is fighting a dad? What if this is his way to kind of graduate and he's going to have JB with a new gimmick by beating Nagata? Like, that's something wild and crazy that could happen. Bro, I'm telling you right now, if we get a Yota Suji Tomohiro Ishii match, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's not a, like, in the early first rounds, there's not a lot that I see as being like too much of a, a shocking surprises, honestly. Yeah. Unless you got Hanare going over Jay, that I thought of that. That would be, I don't. That'd think be they'll wild. Do that. yeah. yeah. One thing I think that would be kind of surprising, but not at the same time, is Tanahashi going through to, all the way to the quarters because I think most people are kind of just discounting him and counting him out. But he's coming in with a bye against Jay White, and that might be the you know sort of the catalyst for him doing well on that side of the bracket. Um, Cause after, if he gets past Jay, there's really not a lot of opposition until he gets to the finals. We could end up with a Tanahashi. You know, I'm changing it. Tanahashi, <laughs> Will Ospreay quarterfinal. Yeah. That'd be a semi semi-final. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a possibility. That'd be sweet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, I, I got no issue with that. Uh, Fuck all this J noise <laughs> uh, Moving on to Dom Homie 101 He says thoughts on the seeding of this year's New Japan Cup What matches you guys looking forward to Any bold predictions Any upset specials uh, So I feel like we covered Covered most. a lot of it But is there anything that you see as a likelihood of a match That you're just like 
out of your mind ecstatic for that you see right now? You Kenta know? Suzuki. Yeah. Mm. Let's go. If I don't get that match now, <laughs> after like now it's planted in my in my brain that it's going to happen. Oh, I'll be a sad man. I think from the first round, I'm really looking forward to Okada Shingo. I really loved their match um, G1 last year, and so that's definitely going to be a banger. Uh, a low-key first round that I'm excited for is Gabe Kidd and Zack Sabre Jr. Yes. They have had a lot of great uh, interactions in the multi-man matches on these uh, previous tours, and I think that can be a really standout you know, Matt classic. Um, we've seen it before, but... Never in a uh, tournament context. Nagata Suji is probably going to be very good, very very hard hitting and violent, which I like. Um, obviously, Will Osprey, Zack Saber Jr. If that happens in the second round, which I think it will, that's going to be nuts. And I love their matches, so there's that. Um, trying to think, you know, Goto Taichi. We haven't really talked about that, but that probably will actually be really good. Mm, and yeah, well, they always have bangers, don't they? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, um, and that's going to bust some brackets too cuz like you could pick either of them. Yeah, for, that's a 50 for whatever reason. And then and then you kind of got to figure out which one of them's going through to fight the winner of Okada Shingo and you know, that match whatever it might be could end up being really good. I think Taichi and um Shingo had like an awesome match in the G1 this year. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and then obviously Shingo and Goto always rules too. So, provided Shingo goes through, you've got two ready-made appoint- opponents from right there. Yeah. There's some good stuff here. Yeah. That's a good quadrant. Yeah. Uh, then his second question, he says, I only got one hot take for you guys this week. Hot take number one, with the New Japan Cup beginning in a few days, I feel like this could be the reset the company needs. I feel like maybe this tournament could be a way to elevate guys like Shingo, Jeff Cobb, Yotosuji, Great Okan, Will Ospreay, Taichi, and maybe Juice Robinson to a high level. Plus, I feel like New Japan could use this tournament to do different angles and different stories. That's what it's here for, brother. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what happened. Uh, then last question yeah, here. exactly where we're headed. Last question here from Musley says, what matches are you low-key excited for in the first round of New Japan Cup? Kid versus CSA is one I can keep an eye out for. Hanare versus Jay White, considering that this is a main event match for Hanare, will be intriguing to watch. Absolutely. So we've got the schedule here. Um, one thing I just want to say, I'm not a big fan of the fact uh, that they traditionally would have done four matches for the first round on each single night. So you'd start off with basically four nights for the first four quadrants and then so on and so forth. But they've really, really spread this out. It's like they basically cut it all in half and we're getting like, what, like 16 shows? Yeah. That's yep. a, that's a, a fuck ton, like... Especially with us covering on the show, like I, I'm not a big fan of that personally. I mean, I don't know what you guys think. Yeah. I mean, I think that in the content era of professional wrestling, you have to be a little selective of of what you dig in on as a as a fan, right? Like you guys, me, like we're gonna watch largely everything, right? Pretty much anyone who's kind of attached to a certain product um, in a way that they're producing something supporting it is going to pay be very mindful and watching everything if someone's just watching the new japan cup matches though i mean like what's a couple of really probably really good matches a day 
when it really comes down to it, almost every day for the first 20 days of March, you know, including the the anniversary card here where you really got the big top three and the the, the first two matches are, are nothing. But I don't know. I mean, like, that's kind of sweet. It's just kind of this slow drip of probably really good matches that you can just focus in on the, the stakes. So, I mean, I choose to see it as a as a positive that, um, in regards to like my coverage and, and what I do for the broadcast team, like I only have to pull together stuff for two matches a day and <laughs> I've got plenty, plenty of space to like get ahead of each round, I guess, too, um, with a couple of days of spreading it out if I want to send it over as a, as a full round. So um, I'm I'm into it. And they listen, it, times are tough. They got to make some money. So they got to sell some tickets to a bunch of different shows. And I'm... I'm a big fan of the business being at least healthy, even, you know, if they're treading water right now. So, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's kind of my take. It's basically two matches per show. And then there's a couple of, a couple of cards that, that have three. Yeah. Um, I don't like the slow drip. I want, I want the big dose. <laughs> Put it in my veins. <laughs> you want, go. you want old school G1. Ten, 10 tournament matches in a night. I love that. <laughs> Those are great cards. Don't don't yeah. get me wrong. I think that there's value to that too. They could have banged this tournament out in like three days. Right. Uh, maybe four. But yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Overall, I mean, it, it does seem like a lot. But I mean, if you're only watching the New Japan Cup matches, I think it's a it's an easier way to kind of, um, you know, digest it. I mean, I'm sure that the undercard tags will be good and it will be great previews, but you can kind of slide by by just watching the cup matches. No, you're going to miss out on the nuance of storytelling. <laughs> Don't listen to these fools. However, yeah. will I know that the iron fingers are important? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, so uh, March 4th, which is also the anniversary show in Budokan Hall. Like we mentioned, we're going to have Kojima versus Jeff Cobb, where the winner will face Evil on March 11th. Then we have Tetsuya Naito versus Great Khan on March 5th in Corkin Hall. We have Toriano versus Bad Luck Fale, Taichi versus Hiroki Goto. On March 6th in Ota City uh, Gen- General Gymnasium, we'll have Hanma versus Suzuki, Juice Robinson versus Kenta, and Kazuchika Okada versus Shingo Takagi. March 7th, we'll have Gabriel Kidd versus Zack Sabre Jr. and Hiroshi Tenzon versus Will Ospreay. March 9th, we'll have Yuji Nagata versus Shiro Suji, Tomiro Ishii versus Sonata. And then March 10th, David Finley versus Chase Owens. Yoshihashi versus Yujiro Takahashi, and then Toru Hanari versus Jay White, with the winner facing Tanahashi on March 15th. Very exciting. Cannot wait. So, um, yeah, that wraps up New Japan Cup. There's a couple uh, quick news items here. Um, so, we had a statement coming out last week from uh, New Japan and CMLL. Um, a joint statement reaffirming their working relationship In a joint statement, New Japan and CMLL assured fans that their relationship is unwavering The statement noted that CMLL will continue to be the exclusive business partner of New Japan in Mexico uh, Part of the statement here says New Japan Pro Wrestling is proud to issue this joint de- declaration with CMLL to reaffirm our mutual commitment That statement said there is plenty more to come from NJPW's partnership with CMLL in the future And we appreciate your support Did you guys see something about... Um like a lot of lucha fans being down on CMLL for some reason recently online, they haven't they haven't done anything in a while. Yeah, yeah, I, I and they've been a little disjointed. I, I I think through their, I mean, and this is just by following Cubs fan. Um, CMLL is kind of um less prestigious right now than like AAA. Mm. Yeah, I I think I saw him tweet something that said like. 
if they don't win worst promotion of the year, then it's like a robbery. And I just didn't understand the context. I was like, are they like fucking up or I don't know what what's going on because you know I'm not following that product right now. Yeah, I don't know what's go what's been going on in Mexico, but. Well, well, we are proud partners. <laughs> we know that one day Fantastica Mania will return. <laughs> good. I think that's good. I wasn't a believer go. until now. <laughs> yeah, I miss that music, man. Euphoria. Real quick, we, we kind of briefly mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Strong, but, you know, just want to mention it so people know that we've covered it that we've talked about it i mean we're not going to go in depth on this at all but you know dave today. <laughs> yeah today but uh dave Meltzer confirmed that uh marty scroll uh worked at the recent new japan strong tapings in california he did not verify the story that scroll was involved in a post-match angle for rocket Romero that was reported by uh fan bites emily pratt and due to the non-disclosure agreements uh, also it's been very hard to get information on what happened here fightful was uh, the first to report an involvement with pratt reporting that he was at the january 22nd day of tapings it is unknown how many shows that he will appear on uh, the part of the tapings and when they will air like josh mentioned er- earlier i mean due to the fan backlash they could completely decide to scrap what was taped Maybe we don't know the the full extent of what if like let's say if it was just a, a little segment which you know my thinking is if you bring a guy like that out and you you're doing a whole set of tapings you're probably not just doing the one segment at the tail end of the tapings they probably used him <laughs> right extensively throughout the taping so you know I don't know if that's even an option at this point but we'll see what happens right um, they might be wise to kind of kill this one <laughs> yeah all i'm gonna say is uh i don't think it's a great idea especially on the u.s show for the western expansion um yeah i just think it's it's a bad bad at, at this point either one of them they were gonna get bad backlash i don't yeah yeah um and then last note here um regarding talks of access right now apparently the new japan is in talk with several other companies several other uh, u.s stations we talked, we talked about last week Axis being one of them, but they are continuing to shop around even with, you know, the Roku deal in place. Well, you know, Dave said that they had the Roku deal. If that went well, it would lead to maybe potentially other television deals. So the, those Roku numbers must be fucking like out of this world because they're already in talks with other companies. So, <laughs> you know, Roku's killing it right now. Oh. We did have a question relating to that from Viking Pain. It's thoughts on New Japan entering negotiations for a new U.S. TV deal, and could this be a reason why they feel the need to create a world title, especially if they land on a major network? Well, they already had a world title. It just wasn't. It just didn't have the word world title in it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think it's great. I think uh, if anything that comes out of the Forbidden Door opening if if the th- if that thing is New Japan ends up back on uh, national you know television and cable here in the states, then I'm all for the forbidden door being open because that's re- what I really want to have happen. Is they need television, they need it desperately. Yeah. Any thoughts on that one, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I think it would make all the sense in the world, especially if. I guess the line is going to be blurred with Impact, AEW, Ring of Honor, like all the, I guess, semi-major to major uh, partners that New Japan is is kind of making in, in the U.S. So we, you don't see a Ring of Honor statement coming out 
Mm. Uh, a joint statement from ring of honor right so um and we know that that. impact and certain key members of the new japan u.s side of things are really good friends and um could be very close business partners as things go along so you know doing a little block with access a a three-hour wrestling block which they've kind of tested by doing some secondary um programming with impact uh, butting right up to impact that's just the name of their show right yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's just yeah. called impact yep. yeah so, and they they did like a um the night juice and and finley were on they had a, a one hour block afterwards um and i forget what they call their kind of secondary show that they have on sometimes but it was all new japan exploded yeah it was all new japan um Kind of guys. Yeah, it was like yeah, ta- ta- right. Ta- 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 it was like all the old stuff school. from like 06, 05 time frame. Yeah, right. So maybe there maybe that was a test that did I mean it did good ratings by access standards, it did really good ratings. So people want this product on TV. They want to be able to keep up, you know, in a in a in a way that's easy, easy for them to flip on the um flip on the channel. So and I, you know, I checked out the Roku thing. Like the only thing I could say about the Roku, um, video they've only they've only loaded up some like pretty old stuff by our standards it's you know almost a year old but like it's it, it looks fantastic it looks as compared to the better. new japan world stream it's so much better it so looks it, aw- i mean like it 4K, looks clear it? yes yeah oh, so worth checking out if you haven't watched some of those matches in a while like i don't know get 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 the good eyes out you know <laughs> have you guys ever seen that uh meme where like someone is like playing dominoes and the dominoes are stacking up getting bigger and bigger. And it's like, you know, basically it's a chain of events and, uh, the smallest one is like Prince Devitt turns on Apollo Gogo. And then like the biggest one is like AEW forms. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's, there's an alternate to that where it's like Vince leaves Saudi Arabia. The forbidden door gets open because, who knows if this fucking partnership would even be happening had he not fucking left gun gallows and Anderson on that fucking, you know, <laughs> over there in Saudi Arabia and all that shit. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. question here from Reddy's or Dino Boy it says last week, the young boy mentioned New Japan's history of running cage matches. Do either of you have any favorites or any recommendations? No favorites. Uh, no recommendations. Um, <laughs> uh, there have been five. Um, there's two that are easily, ex- kind of easily accessible, um, and widely known. There's the one, the empty arena cage match between, uh, Murakami and Tanahashi, and it's terrible. I mean, if you want to see a really crazy fucking bad New Japan match, watch the Tanahashi Murakami match. It's comedy gold. It's fucking bloody too. Like, I don't know that match is not, it is not good. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, there was one we reviewed uh, that I recommended that I do like, but I wouldn't say like it's out of this world or recommended, you know, required viewing. That was um, Takayama against Chono in the um, Konami cage death match. And that's pretty good. It's just, it's too long. And then it's got a fuck finish, but overall it's a good match. Um, the other ones were both on the, uh, the lockup events that they used to do. And though I, I've never found footage of him. I've, I saw footage on Instagram the other day of the Makabe one, and I watched some of it, but I've never actually been able to find, you know, unless I went to, like, you know, back channels. 
And I then the the last one was Inoki against I think Tiger Jeet Singh in like the seventies, and and it's called a fence match. A fence match. I don't think anyone's. I don't think there's tape of it, or if there is, it's like lost to time because I've never found that either. Yeah, I haven't seen any of them. So so I, so that means there's a wide open door. If someone wants to put on a good cage match in New Japan, like you know. You don't even have to aim that high. Like, you know, there's not really a precedent there. <laughs> uh, here comes your uh, your weekly boxing question from Dom Homie 101. Nice. He says, uh, young boy, thoughts on boxing icon Antonio Tarver fighting MMA icon Frank Mir on the Snoop Dogg Fight Club on Thriller. <laughs> to me, it's a circus fight similar to the Canelo fight from last Saturday, but it's nice to see the Magic Man fight again. Also, do you think Thriller could do something in the wrestling world similar to the Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones event? I don't know that I'd call that Canelo fight a circus fight. That's a uh, that's a little bit harsh. Frank Mir against Tarver, you know, um, I don't know if anyone cares. I mean, I don't know the last time Tarver fought. It's probably, like, been six, seven years, and Frank Mir wasn't really moving numbers at the tail end of his UFC career or any of his Bellator, you know, um, you know matches. I watched him wrestle at Bloodsport. I mean, it wasn't like anyone was there to see Frank Mir wrestle. So I don't know. I don't think anyone's going to watch this, to be honest with you. Um, who knows? I mean, I remember when Ray Mercer knocked out uh, fucking Tim Sylvia, and that was super unexpected. So, you know, who knows? It's it's not like it's MMA rules either. So, like, Tarver's probably going to fuck up Frank Mir, most likely. Um, as far as, like, could they do something similar to what they did with like Roy Jones and Mike Tyson and it be successful? I don't think so. I remember a few years ago they tried that. Uh, they tried to do a special dream match with Kurt Angle and Rey Mysterio. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember on some that. fight card. It was yeah. like an independent thing and it. It didn't do well. Um, I think you do need to be attached to some sort of brand or some sort of big marketing. Um, I don't know that there's any wrestling stars big enough Unless it's The Rock or John Cena wrestling someone of note like CM Punk or some shit like that or Kenny Omega or Brock Lesnar. I, I In the States, I don't see anything really drawing. If The Rock wrestled somebody and it was independent, that would probably, that's the only scenario I could see where like a thriller could come around, come along and market it, you know? Yeah. Which will probably not happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> they don't have, there's no stars. <laughs> Maybe Stone Cold Steve Austin wrestled. I don't know. <laughs> Stone Cold and Rock. <laughs> if Stone Cold and Rock, re- if Stone Cold and The Rock wrestled, that would draw. <laughs> That's your Roy Jones and Mike Tyson situation. That's right a there. hot take, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question here from our friend Rich Latta over at One Nation Radio. He wants to know, young boy, how will you be celebrating Women's History Month? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have a gimmick here where, like, I always bury women's wrestling because, you know, we got qu- asked so many questions about why New Japan doesn't have women's wrestling. So now I just always act like I don't like... I do like women's wrestling. I watch it all the sure. time. yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And um, I'm going to be celebrating Women's History Month by respecting all the women in my life and, you know, honoring them. <laughs> I don't know. What do you do for Women's History Month? I never... I, th- I don't know what you do. Watch, watch him, Joshi. Okay. <laughs> watch him start him. The Budokan Hall uh, start him. Yeah, yeah, right? Get into That's it. That's tonight. Yeah. That's t- tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Tonight. yeah. 
By the time people hear this, it's happening yeah, right, right now. Yeah. Stale Burger Bun asked us, which two mid-card wrestlers would you merge together to create a shiny new main eventer? Hard, more, hard mode. You cannot use Ishii. Hmm. What a weird question. <laughs> I, I like it. Let me go look at my New Japan Cup bracket. Find some mid-carders. Yeah, like you gotta wonder like who's on the roster. <laughs> hey, I, I mean, are we playing Joe Lanza rules? Is Despy a mid-carder or yes. nah? I mean, maybe not anymore. I don't. I mean, aren't all juniors kind of mid-carders? <laughs> <laughs> don't let the internet hear you say that. I mean, they will be upset. And oh. then Chris Charlton will bury you on commentary. I mean, I'm just telling the truth. Yeah, that was funny. Oh, you know, this this show's opening with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't do that. Uh, it's going to open a different show this week. Oh, well, we already, like, recorded and everything. So. Oh, <laughs> trying to get a peek under the hood. Oh, man. Um, who would you guys mer- merge together? I might go, like, uh... Toa Hanari and um, I don't know Yoshihashi. <laughs> Man, yeah, that makes a man of better. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think about putting two humans together to make one, except in different contexts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh man, that's the last question, right? Yes. <laughs> I can't even answer after after that. That that was just. We were supposed to bury uh, Dave Meltzer on this show. We didn't do it, but I we, know. we can move on. We're at two hours fifty three minutes. Yeah, so we're, we kept it a tight three hours this week. Yeah, right at the what we wanted that three hour mark. So um, last thing here, recommended match of the week. Uh, so last week, Josh, you picked uh, Kara Maeda versus Tatsumi Fujinami. From the NJPW IWGP Champion Series 1986, June 12th, 86. I watched this match and it was freaking awesome. Yep. This this was a fight. It, it, this felt like a shoot. Like uh my Maeda was killing Fujinami with the kicks. A lot of great submissions, a lot of great suplexes uh throughout the match. One thing I love about the match was the crowd was popping for the most simplest moves. Um, a leg kick. Crowd was losing their mind. Shoulder tackle. Crowd was losing their mind. Um, the, the guy would grab a rope for the rope break. Crowd was losing their mind. The crowd was really into this match. Very hard hitting. Great transition. Great chain wrestling. Um, Maeda busts Fujinabi open for wheel kick. He got some color there. You know, that's an extra. You know, half a star bump right there for some color. Yeah, Josh <laughs> Smith rules. Yep. <laughs> um, which led to um, a. A draw finish, a double knockout finish, but overall, yeah, just really hard hitting, great grappling, great matchup here. Yeah, man. Um, it's just you know, wrestling in in that day and age was just more rough and tumble. Men were men; they carried guns in their bags <laughs> into the locker room. Nowadays, these they did kids, drugs. They did drugs. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, Chris, that's when, I be- that's when wrestling was wrestling. It's just, it's gotten soft, you know? <laughs> they all play video games. Can you imagine? You- Thanks, Mr. Callaway. I know he was just talking about, like, WWE, but, like, can you imagine, like, thinking, like, for instance, New Japan was soft? Like, modern day. New- Come on, bro. That's <laughs> uh, Chris, I believe you have a uh, recommended match of the week for us. I ran the New Japan Cup finals through a randomizer. 
And what I landed on is the 2014 final between Shinsuke Nakamura and Bad Luck Fale from oh, mm. March 23rd, 2014. I've never watched it. I have no idea if it's good. It's good. I love that it exists. It, no, it's good. It's I bet. Real, it's I bet it really is. good. Is that the match where Nakamura gets busted open? Nakamura bleeds a shit ton. It is yes. fucking awesome. And it's Let's and go. it's hard way. Nice. And it was it's both of these guys if I'm looking at the card right, like they they ran the semis and the finals on the on the same night. So yes. it's both in their second match of the night. So I I like that style too. So yeah, I'm excited to watch it. I'm gonna watch it. We're gonna that. get off the off the line here and I'm gonna flip it on. Nice. Nice. So, yeah, since Kadakamura, Bad Luck Fale, 2014 New Japan Cup Finals. Check it out on NJPW World. Use the NJPW EXT to check that out. And that's going to wrap things up. Chris, go ahead and get you all your plugs in, man. Just the one, man. SportaProWrestling.com. Uh, enter my contest. Enter the Keeping It Strong Style uh, contest. All my previews for each of the either rounds or cards. I'm not sure how I'm going to post them for all the New Japan Cup uh, stats and, and and history that I'm going to put together for the broadcast team will be will be over there. Otherwise, find me on Twitter, the Chris Samsa. Nice. And remember, you can enter the contest, sportofprowrestling.com, the Keeping keeping a Strong Style Contest, sportofprowrestling.com slash kiss, sportofprowrestling.com slash K-I-S-S to enter our contest. First prize, $50 Pro Wrestling Tees gift card. Second prize, you get a uh, Lions Pride book by Chris Charlton. Third place, the Shinsuke Nakamura King of Strong Style book. So go ahead and get those entries in you have until Thursday. A very quick turnaround to get all your picks into all the different uh, pick em contests. That means, hypothetically, there might not be as many people entering. It might it means you might be, you know, getting a chance to uh, boost your chances of winning this thing. So, you know, be sure to enter the contest so we can, uh, you know, give you some cool shit. Yeah, so thanks again for listening to this week and supporting us. Chris, thanks again for uh, hopping on this week and chatting some new japan cup and all castle attack all this stuff that we have to talk about this week yeah thanks chris for coming on i think this is the most content filled episode we've ever done with you and it's also maybe the shortest and <laughs> the tightest. what did we just accomplish let's not set a precedent here <laughs> well yeah so that's gonna wrap things up next week we'll be back to review the anniversary show and the uh, first few matches of the new japan cup if you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate. Click on the donate button under the Keeping a Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. The network is at Social Suplex. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. On Facebook, we are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. In the Wrestling Squared Circle or Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. Just Keeping a Strong Style. You can email me, Jeremy at SocialSuplex.com. Check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Latta and James Boyd, the Ricky and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland, The Grave Consequences with Caleb and Maserati, the 8-Bit Suplex Podcast with Josh Number 2 and Sandy, All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin, and The Great Match Generator with Danny. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Ichiban. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. time. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.